Yeah, it's August 8th, 2021. You're listening to Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And uh, you are joining us uh, once again for another fantastic show. And uh, I've stopped, like, going, like, hey, it's episode, watch him record, because we're in season two now. So, like, you know, it's uh, not based on particular episodes at this point, I think. So, uh, it's uh, just, uh, let's just go by date again, and we'll just do it that way. So. Yeah, I mean, who's counting at this point, right? Yeah, who's counting at this point? But anyway, uh, let's count all the stuff we got on the show. Uh, so uh, we're going to have a faint glimpse of uh, a hint of dread in uh, Samus uh, for Metroid Dread. Uh, that's a particular trailer that's come out. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is uh, talking about Free uh, Guy being more than a video game movie. I'll tell you about that too. Uh, Nickelodeon uh, Hotel and Resorts Riviera Maya is now open for the quote-unquote ultimate family vacation. We will give it a look over and see what we think. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl. We've got 10 characters that fans want in the game. Uh, NXT is used fans of WWE, uh, WWE of gutting... Uh, wrestlers uh, in an NXT brand. We'll tell you about that too. Uh, Smokey Bear is also uh, making uh, trends on uh, social media. We'll tell you about what he's been talking about. Uh, we also got a season two of Animaniacs uh, trailer coming for you as well. Uh, we've got an Infinity Train exhibition coming to LA Galaxy Nucleus as well. Uh, we're also going to be telling you about the uh, new members of Team Avatar for the live-action Netflix show Avatar: The Last Airbender. We're also going to tell you in our spoiler section for about Monsters at Work episode six. We're going to give you some Alhouse news and also we're going to give you our thoughts on Owl House Season 2, Episode 9 of Eclipse Lake. You are listening to Aaron and Patricia on the August 8th of 2021. Patricia, before we go any further, do you want to tell everybody what's going on on the Old School Lane podcast? Yes, so I just posted up a new episode of my podcast, Casual Chats, where I interview television writer Martin Olson. Uh, you probably know him for his work on Rocco's Modern Life, Phineas and Ferb, um, Camp Laszlo, and various other shows. And we talked about that for over an hour. We went over tips and tricks about how to become a television writer, uh, various other things that would be very interesting if you are interested in becoming a writer yourself. So um, it is up on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all my other podcast feeds. And it'll be coming up on YouTube later today. So uh, check that out. And I probably am going to be taking a slight hiatus from my podcast because... I am going back to school, and I am going to be really, really busy. I'm going to be taking six classes and two internships. So, yeah, I'm afraid that uh, unless I can do, like, a really quick podcast, I'm going to have to halt them for quite a while. And same thing for videos. So, sorry, everyone. I'm sure that once I get some time that I can be able to do all of that, then I can be able to give you some more things that you can listen to or that you can watch. But in the meanwhile, please, if you haven't, check out my interview with Martin Olson. It was um, an amazing time. We had a great time talking about various things. Uh, we talked about Rocco. We talked about Phineas and Ferb. We talked about Adventure Time. We talked about his new upcoming book. So uh, that would be coming out on August 31st for in- for those who are interested. It is a sequel to his book, uh, Conquest of Hell. It is Conquest of Heaven. So, yeah, uh, thank you so much for tuning into that episode of Casual Chats, if you do get a chance to listen to it, because, you know, listens do mean a lot in terms of um, not only my, um, you know, growth as a YouTube content creator and as a podcast uh, content creator, but... You know, as a college student, <laughs> you know, anything, any little amount would do suffice. So thank you, everyone. Cool. 
And as for myself, uh, we are trying to get Studio One back into gear. We've moved all the COVID stuff into uh, another place in the house now, so hopefully by uh, we'll get the Iron Meta show going at some point. So I know I keep talking about it, but uh, it's just it's uh, we always end up in a time where we just lose, you know, just amount of you know certain amount of time. So, but uh, any uh, chance of getting the Iron Meta show going back uh, into uh, into function, we'll definitely let you know about that. But uh, in regards to uh, just to shout out to all school lane as well is that uh, we'll also be doing some major stuff as well. We've got some stuff in the pla in the pipeline. Uh, coming up over the next couple of months, so uh, we'll keep you informed of that too. So yes, cool. Right, let's move into our new section. So uh, there's going to be a faint glimpse, hint of dread that lies ahead for Samus in Metroid Dread. Uh, Patricia, you've taken a look at the trailer. Uh, do you want to uh, tell us what's going on? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So the first thing that we saw in this trailer was the ship that was featured in Metroid Fusion landing on planet ZDR. And so Samus looks up into the Chozo art um, hieroglyphs. And as you guys know, the Chozo were a group of alien birds who were spread around the galaxy and were discovering various scientific things. And they were the ones who created the Metroids when they were trying to offset the X-Parasite from SR388. Now, for those who are huge Metroid fans, you already know about this, but for those who don't, only played the games and never read the Metroid manga, Samus was raised by the Chozo when she was three years old, when, Sa um, when Samus's parents were killed by Ridley. As you know, Ridley is the one of the main antagonists of the Metroid series, looks like a big purple dragon that a lot of people from Smash Brothers wanted to see... Um, you know, go into it as a fighter, but I digress. So, um, when she saw the Chozo hieroglyphs, she was getting flashbacks of all of the events that happened in Metroid Fusion. When she was first attacked with the X-Parasite, with um, her getting the vaccination of the Metroids that they got from Super Metroid. And then, of course, if you were to pause it just at the right time, you saw a tiny little glimpse of SAX, which was the main antagonist of Metroid Fusion, which was the X-Parasite that was cloned from Samus's power armor when they had to surgically remove it when the X-Parasites were uh, engulfing Samus's body. And so then she starts having a slight reaction and some sort of purple power started absorb, uh, you know, coming out, which I've never seen before. That should be interesting. So, yeah, that was just a quick teaser of what we saw in Metroid Dread because, as you guys know, a few days ago, it was the 35th anniversary of the Metroid franchise, and so I guess in honor of that, they wanted to reveal some new additional things that, um, you know, people have been wanting to see for the uh, the new game. And not to mention that Nintendo had just revealed Volume 4 of the Metroid Report, where it was going more in discussion about the proper timeline of the Metroid franchise, as well as some interesting facts that maybe not a lot of people knew about. So... Uh, yeah, that was what the teaser held for Metroid Dread. Um, we still don't know too much information about the game as of yet. The only thing we do know about from what we saw in the original trailer, as well as various interviews, that Samus lands on the planet SDR, um, uh, ZDR, I'm sorry. She lands on the planet ZDR, and here's a report from the Galactic Federation that maybe some parts of the X-Parasite has survived. And while she tries to look for it, uh, she is confronted by the Emmy, which are these Galactic Federation robots that is used to collect various biosamples. And I guess that she, while she's trying to find the last remnants of the X-Parasite that is supposedly around this planet, 
uh, she is going to be finding out more information about the the Chozo because we've never seen an, uh, a you know a live Chozo in any of the Metroid games. They've either been statues or they've been ghosts if you played Metroid Prime. And so the trailer actually shows off one. Chozo, who is alive, and it actually shows off little flashbacks of Metroid Samus Returns, which was the remake of the second game, um, which is called Metroid 2 Return of Samus. And the Chozo memories were the ones that you were able to unlock if you were able to complete 100% of the game. And it showed off that, uh, you know, the Chozo were building off the Metroid so that they can be able to off the X-Parasite. And then there was one last Chozo memory involving with one particular Chozo who killed off various Chozo soldiers and scientists so that they could be able to keep the Metroids and the X-Parasite because that was when the Chozo thought of them as like a severe threat when the space pirates started taking them. So, yeah, I think that this Chozo is going to be massive in this storyline of Metroid Dread. So... Um, considering that this is the last game in that particular storyline, and then if, um, you know, sales continue to go up, then we'll get a new storyline, according to what uh, Yoshio Sakamoto said, then, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of interesting things that a lot of fans have been debating on and doing theories on, so... In the meanwhile, until we wait for some more teaser trailers and some more information, which, you know, the game will be coming out in three months, so any new information could be coming out uh, in the meanwhile, but until then, we just have to speculate. Yeah. You know, I think it's pretty incredible that uh, the video games now are going to be uh, building up on the Metroid story, whether it's before, you have to, again, you have to, like, read the mangas, or you have to, like, uh, read the stories, like, outside of the games, and so it's nice to know now that Metroid Dread is going to be bringing us a more story-orientated uh, Metroid game, like, uh, I think I think we can all agree. I think it's probably going to end up being. Po po I think we can safely guess it's going to be better than Metroid Another Ram. <laughs> I think we can safely <laughs> say. say and yeah, we were just, we, we horrendously hate that game on this show. But uh, I mean, um, yeah, I'm really glad that uh, Metroid Dread is going to be bringing the story to the forefront because you know it's, it's only the hardcore fans really understand the Metroid law. I mean, like uh, you really have to ask somebody who's really dedicated to the Metroid series to actually know kind of what's going on, really. And like, in, because uh, for my, myself, I think uh, you know for a lot of other people it's just kind of like we've been more game orientated you know we know about the moves we know about the weapons we know about the uh, the enemies but uh, we really don't know besides you know obviously mother brain obviously making a nuisance of herself we don't really know much else besides that really so right. it's like so this is a good step forward, I think. You know, the fact that uh, the fans, I think more casual fans, I think Nintendo fans, are going to be introduced to like what the Metroid story actually is rather than kind of like, you know, uh, oh, hey, you guys are going to read the side story to kind of understand what's going on. So. Right, right. And in previous Metroid games, they've always been about the gameplay and they've always been about building the atmosphere by, you know, piecing the stories together in just playing the game. Or in Metroid Prime's case, you were able to scan through the the Chozo lore by looking through the walls every now and then. Of course, if you're a 100% completionist, you would know about the story about how the Chozo had predicted that a savior would be able to save them from the, um, you know, the Metroid Prime, which was uh, conducted with Phazon. So, um, other than that, yeah, I mean, the only time in which we got like a full you know, full-blown story was in Metroid Fusion, where we got to see that Samus and her computer companion, Adam, were trying to stop the X-Parasites from taking over BSL and the defeat of SAX. So, yeah, other than just Metroid uh, Prime with the with the scanning and Metroid Fusion, 
yeah, Metroid has never been really known for its story. So the fact that Metroid Dread is not only going to be a continuation of Fusion, but also is going to be more story-driven than any other Metroid game that has ever been out. And I'm sure that this will be a great introduction to the fans or even for players who had never even played um, you know, a proper Metroid game. I mean, they've played, like, the Metroidvania games like Hollow Knight or um, Axion Verge, but never the one that kind of, like, started it. I mean, I know people would argue about, like, oh, you know, uh, what about uh, Symphony of the Night? Which, yes, I mean, that would be considered to be, like, the first Metroidvania where um, <clears throat> it would, like, be stepped outside of, like, the Metroid franchise, but... Yeah, I think that for fans who are huge fans of the, you know, for fans of the Metroidvania uh, genre, Metroid Dread would be a great way to bring them in because, well, I mean, the Metroid franchise has never been like a stellar um, spot in terms of like, oh yeah, these are like the top contenders when it comes to sales in all of the Nintendo games. I mean, it's not a Mario, it's not a Zelda, it's not a Pokemon, it's not an Animal Crossing, but it's always kind of like been in the lower cuff. And the, the Metroid fans have always been like a strong but very niche audience, especially in uh, North America. Japan never really got into the Metroid franchise, even from the very beginning. So... The fact that we have a much more streamlined Metroid game with story and with the gameplay being tweaked from Metroid Samus Returns, I think this will definitely get more people into it, and hopefully it'll pull off a Fire Emblem Awakening in which more games from the franchise will be coming out. Well, let's hope that we'll get more information on that, and uh, yeah, we can hear about more what Metroid Dread's going to be about. So uh, Absolutely. Get that. So Anyway, let's move on. Um, Ryan Reynolds, uh, been doing interviews with BBC, uh, he's... Uh, uh, he's Talking about his new movie, uh, Free Guy, which is going to be uh, a, um, a movie that's going to be coming out uh, very soon, actually. So August 10th, I believe that's uh, going to be coming out uh, uh, in uh, in theaters. If I'm actually, let me just double check that. Uh, yeah, August, August 10th. 30. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's going to be coming out August 13th here in the U.S. Okay. Well, it's uh, yeah. So uh, it's going to be August 10th here in the U.K. It's going to be August 5th, August 13th, did you say in the United yes. States, and uh, mm-hmm. August 11th in the Netherlands. For some strange reason. So uh, there we go. Okay. But he's been giving a, an interview for this, and uh, I've read some bits and pieces of it. So I think the main takeaway that he wants uh, from this uh, movie is that he doesn't want people to think that it's just it's more than just uh, he wants people to more, think it's more than just a video game movie, which uh, is uh, it's kind of hard to kind of do really because like the whole story is that this whole thing is, from what I understand, is based on a video game, and he's an NPC. So it yes. does take some quite uh, video game aspects, and so you can probably imagine it uh, takes a bit from that. So um, whether they're going to be able to um, advertise that out to a, a, a wider audience from that, I think uh, it's uh, going to be it's going to be interesting to say the least. But uh, I mean, I think he's got a chance because um, if you're advertising that you know this is a regular guy who does a regular job in you know, regardless if it's in a video game or not, but then ends up kind of like you know inadvertently kind of like deciding to making the hero himself. You know, if that's the the direction that they're going to go in with Free Guy, then uh, I think, you know, I think they could advertise this as something different. But uh, then, I mean, you would have to change some. I think if you wanted to broaden it out, you'd only have to change some, you know, some really, you know, some some concepts in it in order to make it like, uh, you know, make it work for a general audience. But I think a lot of people will think will probably take a look at this movie probably and think it's like, yeah, this is uh, it's got video game tropes in it. I think that's kind of like what it's going to go for. I think so. That's just my take on it, really. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. It sounds very akin to like those video games, like the Stanley Parable, in which you play as a you know a character who's working in an office, and then you have like 
um, him trying to do all of these things, whether like you go into this room and then some part of the story changes, or you go to the other room or you do this thing or you do that thing. And um, the storyline kind of changes depending on what thing you do. And in this case, from what I understand, that he becomes aware that he is in a world that is a video game and he wants to make himself the hero. So uh, that should be really interesting. I'm sure that there could be a way that um, could be, be um, streamlined for a mainstream audience that's not going to see this as like, okay, so it's Ryan Reynolds and he's a video game character. Because, yeah, I mean, even with like adaptations of video games there's only like a specific audience that would watch it as opposed to like just the general crowd but i think that with ryan reynolds and it's supposed to be more like a comedy and it's supposed to be more like an action movie i'm sure that it'll generate some form of audience that would definitely gravitate to it and yeah i mean if ryan reynolds says you know watch this movie as just its own thing not just oh it's a guy who's uh in a video game so yeah, I'm, I'm actually interested in seeing how that would turn out. Uh, I have not uh, seen the movie yet. Uh, I, I know that it won't well, come out, out until... <laughs> well, well I, I meant by, like... I mean, for some reason, I don't know why, but there, there's already, like, reviews for it. I, mean, I take that that's the well, critics' I've, reviews. I probably imagine, yeah, probably because that's from the critic uh, critical reviews, I probably imagine. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's one on IGN that's, you know, already reviewed the movie, so it's like, okay, it's probably, like, a person who already got an advanced screening. But anyway, but I, have, I haven't I have even seen a trailer yet, mm. so I'm actually curious about oh, how this came, would turn out. Oh, trailer came out ages ago. So, yeah, no, uh, no, I haven't even. I've, I've been so busy. You have to understand. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, at the moment, like uh, it's eighty-five percent of Rotten Tomatoes right now. So, like, uh, that's a, that's a pretty good score. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, right definitely now. considering that uh, you know a lot of. I mean, even like what was like the the current highest-grossing uh, video game in terms of like sales is still uh, what was it like? I think it's still Detective Pikachu. And as for like ratings. Um, it's probably a toss-up between either that or Sonic the Hedgehog. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't really have much of a competition. But if it's going to be like a standalone thing, like, okay, it's just a person inside of a video game, as opposed to, like, it's based off of a video game, then I'm sure that that would, like, kind of lean towards people in, but at the same time not. Eh, I don't know. But still, I think that a lot of people would be interested in checking it out because, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. It's a comedy. Um, I think that that'll definitely get some people going in. I mean, it'll definitely be a lot better than Pixels. Am I right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, just looking at uh, I mean, right now, it's not got an audience score, which is quite interesting. So I'll have to see uh, how far that, that goes with that. But uh, I mean, um yeah, I, I just think that, I mean, just looking at uh, his uh, last kind of like a uh, couple of quotes, so I'll just read these out. So uh, Ryan Reynolds said about uh, Free Guy, it's interesting to me, everybody says that it's a video, it's a movie based on a video game. I really don't think video guy, I don't think Free Guy is a video game movie, uh, like saying that Titanic is a movie about boatmanship, which, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird, you know, uh, analysis really like you know um titanic i don't you know whenever it's look at titanic and thought it was about just about the boat you know like uh, there was a story in involved in that and uh, i so mean i guess it depends because yes the the ship is what people would be interested in watching because you know even before the movie came out and i'm talking about like all the titanic movies not just like the one from james cameron but the ship is the main appeal of why you would watch a titanic movie because we already know about the tragedy crash into an iceberg 1500 people died but 
it's the story that really like gravitates to people watching it. It's like, oh, you know, you're not watching Titanic just for the boat. You're watching it because of the story. So I think that's what he meant by that. Yeah. So um, it's uh, so he just continues. So it's a movie about so much more. I, I love the narrow target that so we had to hit to create a world which felt authentic to gamers, and then still uh, smuggle this uh, story into that. Uh, after several pandemic-induced delays, the film has uh, finally been released to the UK on on 13th of August. Uh, it will be held back from jumping into a streaming service precisely so that it can be seen on the big screen. Uh, he continues. Uh, Every filmmaker wants so uh, the stories they tell to be seen as loud as uh, as it is possible. Uh, so and. Uh, we and we don't. We all live in a brave new streaming world, and uh, I very much have some uh, feet in the world, feet in the world world as well. But Free Guy is made with one goal in mind: that it's collective delight. That is an experience that uh, will feel uh, on your couch at home, but also feels so uh, different from other humans in the dark. So, um, yeah. So they're trying to push this back into theaters, which uh, I think uh, as the pandemic starts to wane, I think uh, maybe there'll be there'll be people that will start to come back in regular numbers again. Who knows? But uh, I think uh, yeah. But manage to catch it on streaming if uh, you want to. If you're up for waiting, so absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Nickelodeon is uh, finally opening its hotel and resort Riviera Maya, and, and that's now open for what they call the ultimate uh, family vacation. So, have you any chance to take a look at this at all? Yeah, I mean, I remember when Nickelodeon hotels used to be opened like all over the place, and there'll be like specific ones in like Florida and California and, and um, you know, various other main cities. But the fact that they're having this again, I mean, th- this is the first time in a while that we've heard about this because they shut down like many years ago. I think that it was probably due to maybe like high production costs or maybe they weren't signing into the hotel as much, but. Yeah, the fact that they are now giving this a second chance with, like, introducing, like, you know, maybe, like, new characters and, uh, you know, having the, um, well, I mean, I remember that in the commercials they would always have, like, the slime that would be poured into the kids. Uh, So, yeah, the fact that uh, they're, you know, opening another one again, it's like, okay, well, let's see how this one turns out. Cool. So, uh, reading some of the uh, promotional material, so um, it's going to be, every room is going to be uh, Ocean Swim-Up Suite uh, that holds a family of five, uh, featuring uh, 280-designed uh, oceanfront uh, swim-up suites uh, with a 581-square-foot room uh, mm-hmm. to accommodate families of five. So, I mean, basically, this is a family hotel, you know, like... Yeah, uh, it, yeah. The other ones were family hotels, that's exactly what it was. Um, I think that, you know, because you have, like, the mom and the dad or, you know, maybe the aunt and uncle or grandparents or whatever, and they would, like, bring their kids along and uh, they would have, like, this, you know, opportunity for them to go on vacation. And that's what the main appeal was, is that, okay, um, you know, you get to go into this resort and you get to bring the whole family with you. So, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just reading. It's actually I'm not sure. Obviously, the uh, the yeah, same is probably going to be pretty standard. I probably imagine like it's going to be stuff for yeah. the kids and uh, yeah, like and also distractions for the uh, for the for the parents as well. So, but uh, I think that mind you, probably like people like you and me. I mean, like uh, obviously you and I don't have kids at the moment, so I think uh, you and I probably wouldn't find this uh, hotel very you know very very appealing at least at the minute anyway. And but uh, I think uh, a <laughs> lot. Unless we, of... we, we go for like oh uh, you know we're gonna go just for us having fun, but yeah that would be kind of weird. Maybe kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, just this. Uh, this isn't this isn't a Disney World situation in which like we can you know come into a hotel and it'll just be like oh you know we can be able to just enjoy ourselves as a couple. But then if we go into this resort and they're like okay um, how many people and then we're like two it's like oh um, 
Just the two of you? Uh, <laughs> no kids? It's like, uh, yeah, that'd be weird. Mind you, there's going to be other couples I say, well, you know, like, uh, there's going to be me and my husband and our two cats, you know, like, uh, that, that's a family. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, no guarantee if the cats would be happy if they got slimed. Probably not, no. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm just looking at some of, like, the, where it is. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, Riviera Maya, is that, is that in Mexico? Is it all right? I think I, I, I'm, that's a good question uh, because there's a lot of Riviera. I mean, one of them is obviously Mexico, but um, I don't know. Let me just double check to see which one they're. I just realized something. Yeah, one of the things is like, yeah, hey, they've opened this hotel. Oh, Where is it actually? It, 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 is, it is. It is Mexico. It is Mexico. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be much use for. I mean, right now, Mexico is on the red list right now for uh, for for coronavirus here in the UK. So I mean, for British for British families, it's not going to be much use. So, because, like, um, you know, they, they have to, uh, you know, they come back, they have to, like, self-isolate in a hotel. So, like, right. uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, so for them, it's not going to be, it's, it, this is going to be a bad time for Nickelodeon to open a hotel at this point. I mean, maybe for other people, it probably won't be, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, but, yeah, like, I think, I think the one thing about the pandemic is that it's just, it's hit, it's hit holidays so hard, and, um, I think Nickelodeon, with opening this, I think it's going to be maybe aiming for maybe like uh, you know the 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 here and now. Maybe they're only aiming for the future. Maybe so like yeah. uh, that's probably what they're aiming for. But uh, you know, um, let's see how things pan out. Like if the um, if we're still in the same situation, like you know, years down the line, obviously this hotel's going to be a disaster. But uh, you know, if uh, Nickelodeon uh, do uh, if the things do turn around, I think Nickelodeon might have something here but uh, i don't know like uh, i mean i think in the future i think when because there's gonna be a lot of like young couples or like who aren't gonna have like massive families for like you know uh, you know having like a, a room that's like five for five people like you know it's just right. it's, uh, i mean they might even you know it also having to go all the way to mexico as well but some of them might not be able to afford it no, you know? no. so well we'll see Anyway, that, we'll see. that's open you know where uh, tell us what you think of it and if you do go over there and it will be interesting to hear your thoughts so yeah, I mean, if you are able to interact with any of the uh, people in costumes or if you uh, g get into any of the um, attractions or if you get slimed and uh, maybe if you ever get pictures or even videos of it, and please uh, send it to us. We would love to see it. Yeah. Okay, moving on to other Nickelodeon news. Uh, we have now got, what well, from Screen Rants, what they say is the 10 characters that fans want in the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl game. For those of you who don't know, they have, uh, Nickelodeon have announced that there is going to be a, they're going to have their own Smash Brothers game, and uh, it is going to uh, have uh, characters that include uh, Powdered Toastman of all people, and also Helga Pataki as well. So, and various other uh, Nickelodeon characters are also going to be mixed in. But uh, fans have obviously wanted to know uh, what wants to have their in all this, so Screen Rants has uh, gathered up uh, what fans want to see. So, uh, Patricia, shall we go through all the characters and see what we think? Okay, let's do it. Okay, number ten is Rocco. Okay, um, Rocco would be really interesting to have in uh, this uh, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. I don't know what abilities he would be able to do. Uh, I still would like to see really, really big man if they were going to do some Rocco representation. Uh, I don't know what a I don't know what he would do because Rocco is like the most normal guy possible, and I, I mean there I, I don't I mean the the only time in which I actually did see Rocco, an attempt of a fight was when he was training to beat up his uh, bully Dingo when he was going to be coming over, but then it turned out to that he was a pacifist. So uh, maybe, but I think that Rocco would probably be on the lower end in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Number nine is Arnold Shortman. 
Okay, so hmm. Arnold, I mean, with Arnold, uh, I don't know. I don't really see him fighting. I mean, I'm sure that he could probably use something. I mean, I know Helga's going to be in the game. Well, but the episode when uh, Grandma taught him how to use self-defense. I guess that's true. That would be, like, the only time that we can probably justify Arnold for him being in Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. So, okay, I can see that. Um, but I think... If we're not going to include Arnold, then probably Monkey Man would be a really interesting one. But yeah, I mean, if Arnold was to be introduced in the game, then I think it would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, number eight is Tommy Pickles. No, we talked about this already. No babies. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to see anybody beat up a one-year-old. That No, that's that's cruel, man. Well, you don't want to play a game where you get to punch a one-year-old in the face? Come on, man. I mean, I was happy that they brought Reptar into the line line because, yes, that makes so much sense. If you're going to include the other Reptar characters, include Daktar. He can, you know, be like the Ridley characters because, you know, he looks like Rodan. So, uh, if, you know, if you're going to have any more um, representation of Rugrats, then please include the Reptar characters. But no babies, please. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number seven is Daggett and Norbert from the Angry Beavers. Ooh, we could probably have like a um, ice climber situation in which maybe we can be able to have both of them fight, or maybe we can just have Daggett in the game where he's muscular beaver. So I, I, I would love to see that actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number six is Jimmy Neutron. Okay, Jimmy, I would definitely see happen if they were to include him in there because he can use Goddard or he can be able to use his jetpack as, you know, to get himself up. He has a whole bunch of gadgets and inventions. So, yeah, I can definitely see Jimmy in the game. I think uh, Jimmy Neutron, if well, if he appears in the game, I guarantee you the, uh, the voices of having like a revival of Jimmy Neutron is going to get a lot louder. Oh, get, much get, louder, absolutely. And uh, if you're not going to include Jimmy in there, then Ultra Lord would be a perfect fit. I mean, he can go up against Powder Toast Man. Yeah. Uh, number five is Donnie from uh, the Wild Thornberries. Okay, so, yes, yeah, so we have a five-year-old feral child who's just, like, really crazy and wacky and out there. So, hmm, I mean, we have Nigel Thornberry, which I'm still not happy about, by the way. Uh, I oh, know because I of the memes. Me, babe. I mean, yeah, I know, but do you think? I think it would be a mistake not to include him. I think you know, like he he is going to be one of the selling points of the game. I'm still not happy about it, but sure. Anyway, but if you are going to include, I, I guess if you were to like have a smaller character, Donnie would be probably a fit. Sure, but. I don't know. I mean, it's like the same thing that I said earlier. It's like you're beating up a five-year-old child. It's like, I, I don't feel comfortable about that. Well, Helga's and, in the game, so like, and she's, well, she's I, ten. Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, number four is Reggie Rocket. Okay, I can probably see one of the characters from Rocket Power being in this one. I think Reggie would be a good fit. Uh, you know, she knows how to do skateboarding. She knows how to do rollerblading. She knows how to play hockey. She knows how to do all these kind of things, so... I mean, yeah, I could, I could probably see that happen. Yeah. Uh, number three is Jenny Wakeman from uh, My Life as a Teenage Robot. Absolutely, yes, Jenny should be in the game because Danny's in the game from Danny Phantom. So yes, that'll be a perfect offset. I mean, she's a robot. She has all the gadgets. She has all the weapons. I mean, they would be crazy not to include her. You know, say like, uh, hasn't there been like a lot of people like saying, you know, who's stronger, Danny Phantom or like, uh, you know, Jenny Wakeman? Yes, like, there yeah. have been a lot of debates about that. Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, if uh, she gets included in the game, that's uh, that, those two are going to come ahead. So. Yeah, I'm surprised that Death Battle's never made an episode about this. Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's plenty of time. 
I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's true, especially since Death Battle X is now out and, you know, it's not going to be going away anytime soon because of how popular it still is. Mm-hmm. Number two is the Crimson Chin from The Failure of Parents. Yes, absolutely. The Crimson Chin definitely needs to be in this one. If, Like I said before, if Powder Toastman is in the game, we need to include the Crimson Chin. If not the Crimson Chin, then Crash Nebula. So, uh, but, but definitely Crimson Chin is the more popular I'll one. I'll tell you what, Powder Toastman versus uh, Chin, Crimson Chin actually sounds like a really, <laughs> sounds like a really good, interesting fight. It, really it would be a really interesting fight, yes. Yeah. Okay, and finally, no, the number one uh, character that they want to see in uh, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl is Quail Man. Ooh, yes, I would love Quail Man to be in the game. That would be awesome. I mean, to be granted, he's not a physical fighter. He uses his quail eye, which is to stupefy everybody. So they'll have to definitely tweak it a little bit. But yeah, Quail Man would be an awesome addition into it. If not Quail Man, then put in Smash Adams or put in um, Razor Canyon. But um, yes, uh, I would love to see Quail Man in the game for sure. Yeah. Do you know, okay, so those are all the characters fans want to see. So uh, let's just confirm the uh, current one, that the current confirmed characters that we currently have at the moment. So it's Helga from Hey Arnold, uh, Danny Phantom, uh, Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob, uh, Zim from Invader Zim, uh, Nigel Thornberry from The Wild Thornberries, Michelangelo from TMNT, uh, Leonardo from TMNT, SpongeBob SquarePants from SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants and uh, the Patrick Starr Show, uh, <laughs> Reptar uh, from the Rugrats, uh, Lincoln Loud from the Loud. House, uh, Lucy Loud from the Loud House, uh, Oblina from Are We All Monsters, and Powdered Toastman from Red and Stimpy. Yeah. So those are the confirmed characters at the moment. Uh, do you know what though? I think uh, if Nickelodeon All Star Brawl becomes a success, do you think Disney will follow suit? Yes, I would love Disney to follow suit if this becomes a massive success. Like if they have like, um, if Nickelodeon All Star Brawl has like. Uh, huge reviews, and they have DLC characters, then, yeah, Disney has better follow suit. Uh, whether it be, like, from the main movies or Pixar or even, like, the Disney Channel shows, I would love to see them do it. I don't know, like, uh, because, I mean, I think if Disney decided to do one, there's part of me that believes that. I don't think they would probably want to maybe, like, just do a clone of uh, of, of Smash Brothers. I think they want to do something unique. I think. Well, I mean, like, remember a few years ago when the Tony Hawk franchise became really popular and there was, like, the Disney skateboarding game and it was essentially, like, fall. it, it, it literally was, a you know, followed from the engine of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. So I'm sure that they would, like, take the elements of it, but just Disney-fy it. Yeah. I, I remember I was talking about, like, uh, the uh, Disney Princess Mortal Kombat. Yes. Uh, I, to be honest, I would actually like to see that. Actually. I would love to see that too. I would love to see um, Merida go up against um, Raya from Raya and the Last Dragon. I think that that would be awesome. Yeah, but you know, like uh, also include some of the uh, characters from the TV show in you know, some of the TV shows in as well. Like uh, you know, like uh, include Anne Boonchoy from uh, you know Amphibia and uh, include like maybe like even you know uh, Wendy from like uh, you know Gravity Falls. You know, like yes. uh, some, some of the uh, and also you know, like uh, how do you not have Owl House characters? Like you know, either would be you know, Ida versus Elsa would be an incredible matchup. Oof. I think. 
Oh, and, and yeah, Luce would be awesome. Amity would be awesome. Uh, we'll talk about that later, by we'll talk, the way. Yeah, let's talk about that later, by the way. That's the self <laughs> later on in the, in the episode. But. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, uh, include Gargoyles characters. I would love to play up against, like, I would love to play as Goliath. That would be super awesome. Yeah. Uh, Darkwing Duck would be so cool. And yeah. uh, Baloo from Tailspin. Oh, man, the, the possibilities are endless. Also, Gizmo Duck from Dust Tales. Yes, yes, Gizmo Duck. That would be so awesome. Yeah. So I mean, like, uh, so if uh, Nick, yeah, Nickelodeon also becomes a success. Like, if fighting games become a thing, like I think amongst you know, like uh, Nickelodeon, and like uh, there's not like you know a massive like uh, angry response from like parents. I think uh, maybe Disney will probably look at this and think, yeah, maybe we should do this too. So. Yeah, I mean, it'll be like uh, I, I just hope that it doesn't go into like the whole Street Fighter Mortal Kombat clone phase of the '90s, in which like you know, for every good fighting game, there were like twenty crappy ones. Mm. Well, I don't think we're in that place anymore. I don't think. I mean, like, uh, I mean, mobile phone games. I think yeah, obviously there's gonna be like crappy clones of stuff, but so uh, you know, like, yeah. uh, on, on consoles now, I don't think so. I guess that's true, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see Disney get a crack at this if they are able to pull it off, because I would love to have a Disney brawler. I, I mean, I would pay everything that I have, and I have nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, moving on. Um, NXT fans have been accusing WWE of gutting the brand after more wrestlers have been released. It uh, comes after there's been uh, a huge amount of uh, released WWE superstars, even trended on Twitter for uh, a good number of times. So, uh, Patricia, not being uh, one of uh, wrestling knowledge, I uh, will t- take this on myself as uh, for this one. And uh, I have to say, I think, uh, you know, WWE fans, I think at this point, I think have uh, a lot of concerns, I think, at the moment because of what's uh, currently going on with uh, WWE releases. I'm trying to actually get the um, the big list up at the moment, and uh, right now it's uh, not uh, coming through. So uh, let me just have a look. WWE releases. Um, it was... Uh, I do apologize. It was actually here. In front of me before, and uh, now I don't seem to have to have the massive list. But I have to say that uh, some of the big ones. Oh, hang on a second, I've got them right here. So um, the big. Uh, this, by the way, these releases are huge. I mean, like uh, some of these include uh, Bobby Fish, uh, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Leon Ruff, Tyler Rust, Bronson Reed, who was uh, a former North American champion, Jake Atlas, uh, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Zaya uh, Smith, uh, Asha Hale, Giant. Uh, uh, Zangia, uh, Stefan Smith, uh, Desmond Troy, Ric Flair. Ric Flair is gone from the company. Bray Wyatt was also another one. Chase Parker, Matt Martell. Like, they, there's a huge, huge amount of people who have basically been let go and have been with the company for a long time ago. Even Tyler Breeze and Fandango are no longer with the company. And uh, Tino Sabatelli, who uh, was... Uh, and also Braun Strowman was also a big shock as well. And uh, so a lot of these uh, wrestlers are now gone from WWE, and a lot of fans are really upset about this, and also concerned too. And they have the right to, to be concerned too as well about this because why on earth would all of a sudden would WWE suddenly want to um, cut so much back that uh, they wanted to appear pros- pro- profitable and there is uh, you know allegations currently going on at the moment that w- that Vince McMahon wants to sell the company now uh, we're not saying that uh, he is and uh, but that's just a thought at the moment that he wants to sell WWE to uh, either NBC or wants to sell it to somebody else like uh, right now they have a very close relationship with NBC and so whether they'd want to sell that to them or not and uh, they would basically just water it down into their own uh, corporate entity I have no idea which uh, I think will concern a lot of WWE 
WWE fans if that's it is going to be the case but uh, at the moment uh, WWE uh, are currently just uh, right now say, you know just uh, making these releases they don't make much sense storyline wise they don't make much sense you know uh, future wise because at the moment uh, and even John Cena himself recently did an interview where he said he was concerned at the fact that WWE is relying so much on old wrestlers like Goldberg and Edge and uh, various other ones as well that keep coming back and the fact that they're the ones who are currently you know f uh, at, the, at the main point at the moment and the only big breakout star they've really had in the last couple of years has effectively been Roman Reigns and nobody else at the moment has really broken out uh, of that mold and has made themselves into kind of like the celebrity sphere at the moment and has basically stayed and all the other ones have stayed really kind of internal into the uh, the wrestling uh, you know mindset and so, um, yeah, the fact that WWE is, uh, I think, is making a big mistake by letting go of their younger and future stars, where at the same time they are basically bringing old guys back and expecting them to kind of draw. And I get, like, there's been a massive pandemic, and I get they've taken a massive hit, and so they've not probably had the resources and probably had the money power to uh, do what they normally do in the current circumstances. But at the same time, it, I think it is a big mistake for WWE to rely on older wrestlers and uh, think that they're going to basically pull them over the line, while at the same time gutting their younger talent and potentially allowing uh, a rival promotion, AEW, to eventually to, uh, benefit from that. So, um... Yeah, I think a lot of fans, I think, have every right to be concerned about what WWE is doing. And uh, but mind you, I think a lot of non-WWE fans who are you know putting all their uh, all their energy into supporting AEW, I think, will be pretty happy of what's going on right now. But uh, at the same time, I think nobody really wants to see WWE massively fail. And because uh, I think it's one of the biggest wrestling companies in the world, and I think a lot of people, I think, uh, wrestling fans, will probably be very upset. I think if uh, WWE suddenly went down the wayside and were left with uh, basically only a small amount of uh, wrestling for fans to basically enjoy. So. Mm. That, that, that sounds like a problem. If they're going to be using their old athletes to carry essentially their entire um, <clears throat> reputation for their sports. So they if, if, if they're going to like stay afloat and be relevant, then they really need to heavily emphasize that the younger ones are going to have to take over. Otherwise... You know, are we going to, like, enjoy watching the same old wrestlers at, like, 70 years old? I mean, it just makes no sense. Like, why? You know, I mean, I mean, they're not 70. I mean, let's just, uh, I'll just put that right now. They're, they're probably, like, between their mid-40s, mid-50s, I think. Is Which is where... pretty old in athlete's term. I mean, that sounds like, oh, yeah, they're still young. But when you're, you know, using your body and you're, you know, constantly exercising or you're constantly being, like, smashed or being tossed around and getting broken bones and fractures and all that kind of stuff and being yeah around your late or you know early to mid 40s yeah that's i mean even with like baseball players that's considered to be pretty old and around that time they will be thinking about retiring so i mean i'm sure that would definitely be the same thing if you were a wrestler yeah i mean john cena right now he's 44 years old mm -hmm. so, and how old is edge uh edge is he's 47 years old he's actually older than john oh. cena Oh jeez, yeah. yeah. He's in phenomenal shape, though. I'll give I'll give him that. Sure, I'm sure he is, but you know, I'm sure that at at some point it would make, take a massive toll on your body. I mean, no matter how much of a good shape that you are, your body will you know naturally wear out because you know we're not invincible. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, unfortunately that's where WWE is going right now, and uh, you know a lot of people are blaming this on Nick Khan. But at the end of the day, like it's Vince McMahon's company, so he should he should know what's going on, really. So mm. yeah. Um, anyway, moving on from this, um, so Smokey Bear has uh, been making uh, waves on. Uh, on social media, he's uh, come back with a National Campfire Day, which is taking place this weekend, and uh, he's basically said, uh, "Do you remember how to extinguish a campfire? Uh, say it with me: drown, stir, down, feel. Uh, if the ashes are still too hot to touch, it's uh, too hot to leave." And so he's trying to make this as uh, well. I'm sorry, speaking of Smoky Bear, like he's a real person, but <laughs> I mean, the, the people <laughs> behind the Smoky Bear campaign are trying to make this as uh, viral as possible. And uh, you know what? I, I don't blame them for trying to make uh, as much headways with it as possible because one, Smoky Bear is still uh, relevant, I think, in regards to like definitely with uh, you know uh, you know forest fires and you know being out in the outdoors and things like that. He still uh, carries some weight in regards to a character. But at the same time, like uh, you know the amount of fires that we've seen, you know, not just in America but across the world. Like, you know, like, uh, Smokey Bear, I think, uh, could well be, I think a lot of uh, countries could use Smokey Bear right now, I think, as a, as a character to uh, promote, you know, obviously, you know, fire safety and, you know, being, you know, safe in uh, in the woods, basically. Yeah, so. uh, I spe- did, you, did you see the video that somebody from Greece was posting about that a lot of people had to be evacuated because um, some areas of Greece were, like, severely on fire yeah this, so it, and by it, the way this isn't like out in like you know the the country or anything like that this is like this is suburbia athens you know like uh this yeah. is like this is like you know where where you live in the capital if you're comfortable and then a lot of people need to get out of there because basically the whole the whole you know place was going on fire Right, yeah. and this is, by the way, this isn't just affect you know, Greece alone. Turkey was also invo- was also involved in massive fires as well. Like there was a camera crew that was almost cut off on like on a cliffside, you know, uh, with a fire raining down on them. So oh, geez. it's just it's uh, so yeah. This is uh, a lot of people are putting this onto climate change, which I do agree with. I think uh, we really do need to uh, look at how our rapidly changing climate is affecting our weather at this point. I mean, the, the fact that uh, Britain at some point in the next couple of years is going to get uh, temperatures of forty degrees Celsius in, in like in some of the dead of summer, like you know, these are temperatures that are as hot as uh, Saudi Arabia in some oh, places. Geez. Like this is. Uh, yeah, you know, this is a serious situation. I think that uh, a lot of countries are going to find themselves in because of uh, you know because of the temperature of the Earth warming up, and so um, this is going to be a massive wake-up call for that. But uh, you know, I think a Smoky Bear, I think, also has a part to play in that too, because if uh, there is going to be these uh, hot temperatures that are coming up, you know, like uh, just a small little fire can just you know can cause a massive amount of can cause a massive blaze, you know, for like mm-hmm. an entire state. You know, like, uh, it's just, it's, uh, I think things, campaigns like this are going to be important, you know, going forward. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I, I just hope that people would be able to um, look at all the things that are happening and say, hey, you know, I think that we need to have a massive change because all of these forest fires that have been happening over the past few years with homes being decimated, people losing their lives and the environment just constantly being warmer and warmer that these things would be more common than ever it's this is this is really concerning that people are not taking this as remotely seriously and yeah i think that we need to see more of smoky bear uh showcasing on like commercials and various um psas talking about the importance of just taking down fires because The one that really just absolutely infuriates me is the forest fires that are caused by pregnancy reveals. It's like, really? You want, I mean, I know that, you know, this is a big deal for you, but you're doing it irresponsibly. You're, you're surrounded by, you know, forests 
that hasn't been getting a lot of rain lately because of climate change. I mean, things have been drying up and to the point in which people are going through severe drought. You're going to have this huge event where they're going to say, okay, what are you going to have, a boy or a girl? And then you lit it up, and then you have this ma massive fire that you caused, causing millions of dollars worth of damage, and, you know, p costing people their lives. It's like, you, you really need to just take this stuff seriously. And even for, like, organizations that are talking about climate change and how important it is, it's like, they really need to step up because... We're not going to have our Earth much longer if this continues on. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going to have a gender reveal, get a cake. You know? Get yes, a, get, yes. Go, go to a bakery and get a cake. Or, or get a pinata and, you know, you know, hit it off. Or get a balloon and pop it. Don't use firecrackers. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, well, uh, I mean, how would a pinata work if you've not got a kit? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> well, what they would do is, is that they would um, get a pinata and, you know, whoever is stuffing it would be uh, the one who would like, you know, put the confetti about like, okay, pink is a girl and blue is a boy. And then they would like some, you know, get a kid or something to hit it, like maybe the older sibling. And then they would like hit it and they'll be like, okay, you're going to have a brother or sister. Oh, right. Okay, then that's fine. So, um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, just, if you, it's not just general reveal, like, uh, you know, things like that. It's like, if people just, like, go camping with, like, uh, who who don't put their fires up properly, you know, like. Yeah, that's uh, right, yeah. Like, uh, th th there was one a few years ago where um, one of the forest fires was caused by somebody who didn't take their fire out all the way. One was caused by a guy who was smoking a cigarette, and um, the, the ashes from the cigarette cut the whole thing on fire. So, yeah, I mean, even campers are really irresponsible for this. Yeah, like, uh, it's just, it's like, uh, how, how many? times have like people watch bambi and like you know that's like like, the, like this is the finale of bambi for crying out loud you know? that's very true yes <laughs> so like you would have thought that some people got the message by now but unfortunately not so no, you, know, no. like, you know decades on and like we're still telling people to not put you know put their fires out properly you know it's just oh jeez so. yeah so well anyway that's uh so i think we're hearing but this is the thing like i think smoky bear uh, you know you know uh psas are going to be just a more prevalent thing as things get hotter I think, uh, mm -hmm. and I think that's just going to be a thing. That's we, that's going to happen. So uh, don't be too surprised if uh, Smokey Bear suddenly gets like in you know, a huge cast full of characters to also you know interact with too. So like, yeah, uh, just uh, play, oh, please geez. no 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 dark edgy like you know shadow the hedgehog kind of like Smokey Bears please. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, like, uh, we don't want that please. You know like uh, no please I, I don't want to see Smokey Bear saying take out those damn fires. No please <laughs> no. Okay, um, so moving on, we're going to talk about Animaniacs. So uh, the trailer for Season 2 is now released, and so it uh, features pretty much the standard Animaniacs characters. we got, uh, you know, Yakko and Wacko, and uh, we got uh, Pinky, so we got Brain from Pinky and the Brain, and uh, also we got a few little snippets as well of, like, uh, some of Season 2, but it's kind of hard for me and Patricia to discuss because we've not even seen Season 1 yet of the Animaniacs reboot, let alone Season 2. So. Yeah, you have to understand that... Uh, I do have a Hulu account, and we actually try to watch it, but unfortunately, Aaron can't because it hasn't been released over there. Yeah, so it looks like I'll have to uh, take up an ExpressVPN, which is uh, being uh, promoted by various uh, other people on the line, and uh, hashtag non-sponsored. We're not sponsored by ExpressVPN, but uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have to get there eventually and then watch season one, but then also there's find time, finding time to do it, which obviously we don't have very much of, so depending why you know, the stuff doesn't really happen, so... But, uh, you know, like, looking... I'm really glad that uh, Animaniacs is still going strong. And uh, so yeah. that's, that's still going. Especially uh, since um, we, we did talk about in the last episode that 
it won an Emmy for its song and it's won an, you know, uh, Emmy for uh, casting directing. So yeah, it's doing very well. And we already knew that Animaniacs was going to have a second season and they're also going to have a third season. So yeah, I mean, they're still going strong. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to remember the original uh, um, run for uh, the original Animaniacs. How many seasons did it actually go for? I think it lasted for about six or seven seasons. Oh, I'm like, uh, could it, could it do it? Do you think? Like, you know what? It- if it continues the way it is with people demanding for it, then possibly, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, wow, like, uh, imagine having, like, another six seasons on top of the original six. Uh, like, yeah, uh, I mean, I, of course, you know, I prefer a smaller season, like, quality over quantity. Like, you know, the original DuckTales had, like, I think six or seven seasons, and then the 2017 version had three seasons, but those were a good three seasons, so... Well, um, yeah, if yeah, anything, after all, watching, like, how seasons are, like, like played out, like, you know, as we know, The Simpsons is, like, just going completely lost its way, and uh, then we've oh, also got, like, yeah. yeah, then we've got, like, other shows that, like, go on for, like, you know, obscene amounts of seasons, and that just uh, just doesn't doesn't cut it and SpongeBob SquarePants I think is a, bit, a perfect example of that too. So I think yeah, my, Family Guy's another Family Guy's another Family one. Guy's another one as well. So my rule of thumb for a show: five seasons, one hundred episodes. I think five uh, seasons in a movie. No, six seasons in a movie. Six, there we seasons, go. six seasons in. Yeah, okay, six well, in a movie. okay, well, I think with Hey Arnold, I think obviously that's the exception rather than the rule. But uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, I would say, but I think for a, a new show, I think in today's era, I think if we had to be sensible about it, I think I would say, yeah, may, you know, six, you know, five seasons, a hundred episodes, and yeah, maybe a movie. So if if, mm-hmm. if, if it's, mm-hmm. I, I like to think that a theatrical movie is a bonus rather than kind of like you know an essential part of a show, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, the six seasons and a movie thing—that was a joke. Uh, it's a it's a joke that was featured in Community. By the way, you know the when they were trying to make like a, a reference to like what's the the you know what what would define uh, you know the perfect sitcom, and then the the guy said, "Oh, I know, six seasons and a movie." So that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I think that uh, if Animaniacs is able to uh, continue on with. Um, you know, the praises and even the award winnings, uh, I think that we'll definitely be able to see more of it. I mean, even the synopsis was actually really interesting where they're saying like, okay, there's going to be, uh, you know, Yakko, Wacko, Dot, Pinky, and the Brain, and also the characters that were introduced in the first season. And there's also going to be some other inclusions of characters, including the ones from the old Animaniacs who didn't make the cutting room floor. So I'm like, okay. So you're going to try to see if you can bring back the old characters again. That would be really interesting. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it as a joke or if they legitimately want to bring them back. So, yeah, I'm actually curious to see what they're going to do with it. Well, I watched a couple of clips of, like, the season one of Animaniacs and, uh, you know, a lot of, like, uh, older characters, like, not even part of, like, the Animaniacs show also make cameos too. So, like, you know, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned for Animaniacs in regards to what jokes they want to do. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, also, interesting enough, like, uh, they're going to be only having 13 episodes. Which, uh, why specifically 13? Uh, you, you have to understand, babe. Here in America, you when it comes to like, okay, you're going to have a season's worth of episodes. It's either 13 episodes, 26 episodes, or 52 episodes. So I think that um, 13 episodes for a season does sound pretty suffice. I think that that's how... I, I, I don't no, remember no, no, how I'm the not original... It's not, I'm not saying it's not suffice. I'm just saying why specifically 13? Like, unless I, they're calling I, it Lucky 13, too. So it's like, uh, is that going to play into, like, an overarching kind of, like, you know, theme of the of the, of the season? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Just interesting how they put that in the promotion. So. But anyway, uh, that season two of Animaniacs uh, will definitely let you know if uh, we ever get around to watching it. <laughs> so. <laughs> but it's uh, going to be only on Hulu on November 5th. So. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, and uh, we will watch it eventually. Please, uh, please be patient. Okay. Okay, babe, I'll let you take the reins on this. Uh, an Infinity Train exhibition that's coming to LA Galaxy's Nucleus. Uh, do you want to tell us about it? Yes. So, uh, for those who don't know, Infinity Train was a Cartoon Network animated series that features a series of anthology stories where it features a group of people going inside the Infinity Train and they go over to like various worlds and meet up with various characters. It currently has four seasons and unfortunately it ended its run when um, it was put over to HBO Max. So the first two seasons were on Cartoon Network. And then the last two seasons were on HBO Max. And I guess maybe the... I, I don't know what the, the deal is. I, I don't know if it was like, you know, contracts or something like that. But unfortunately, the story that creator Owen Dennis wanted to do was eight seasons and featuring all these characters. But unfortunately, due to the fact that... Uh, and, and get this. Get this if you heard this before, babe. HBO Max was concerned that the series stories and themes were too dark and unappealing for children, which is why they canceled it. And I think that also, you know, the views didn't exactly justify it. So that's why it got canceled. And for the for the past couple of months, ever since season four ended, there's been huge, huge spreads on Twitter and various social media outlets to get season five of Infinity Train to come back. And then we have the announcement about this huge exhibition that's going to be coming out for Los Angeles. And uh, they're hoping that definitely with, uh, you know, showcasing the art of the exhibition and uh, all the other little trinkets like, um, you know, cosplays and even with like um, drawings and such, they're hoping that maybe this will definitely catch the eye of the fans who want, or maybe even didn't know about this huge, um, you know, demand for more Infinity Train. So I'm just going to read off information about what the event is. Okay, Gallery Nucleus invites you to join us for a ride on the Infinity Train. Come by on opening night to see a new collection of art by the production artist from the hit show and catch the live Q&A from the creator Owen Dennis. Uh, opening reception details include um, opening reception of art only limited to 60 people, um, new artwork, new exclusive Infinity Train merchandise, and then there'll be a Q&A panel. And then they're also featured a lot of the artists who will be featured on the exhibition who worked on the show. It will be coming out September 25th through October 3rd. And you can be able to purchase your tickets if you are able to be around the Los Angeles area. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be traveling in other ones. I think it's just going to be specifically L.A. for now. But if you are a huge Infinity Train fan and if you want to see a season five through eight to happen that Owen Dennis originally wanted, then this will be a great way to kind of like help, you know, spread the word for more Infinity Train, especially since recently it celebrated its second anniversary. So, you know, definitely go check it out if you have the opportunity to do so. No, I think uh, with Infinity Train, like uh, I just look at like uh, the scores. It's like it's this phenomenal. Like uh, right now, it's, uh, it's 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 number twenty eight in action for uh, yes, on IMDb. It, 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 yes. on, Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, it, every single season is one hundred percent. Yeah, and also it's currently number twelve in adventure and number fourteen in animation. Like uh, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a classic uh, at this point. Absolutely, it, it it has been one of the best cartoons that had ever featured over the past decade, and I think that. A lot of people were upset of HBO Max's reasoning on why they canceled Infinity Train because they felt that, you know, showcasing all of this scary stuff for children would not be justified to continue on. It's like, okay, um, 
I, I, I really hate the fact that they still treat animation as like a children thing. It's like, oh, you know, we don't want to show all this scary stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of really dark things that they featured in there. There's talks about divorce. There's talks about death. There's talks about loss. There's um, there's a really there's like a lot of like serious, dark, gruesome scenes that do happen in there. But a lot of people still love it and they want to see more of it. It's I mean, the demand for it is really, really high. I mean, every time that um, there's like Infinity Train Season 5 trends, it's like number one all the time. So I don't understand what um, HBO Max is thinking in terms of, yeah, we don't want to be able to have it out because we think that, you know, this stuff of animation would frighten kids. It's like, but kids like to be frightened because, you know, it intrigues them and it, it, it builds up their imagination. I mean, I don't want you to scar them, but at least like show off something slightly um, scary to like show, hey, you know, not everything is sunshine and rainbows. Everything is, you know, things are not perfect. And I think that the, the messages that Infinity Train teaches, I think is just phenomenal and people want more of it. So come on, HBO Max, get it together. Yeah, like I, I, it's, um, it's, it's ridiculous that uh, they, it's ridiculous reasoning. For in this, like it's it's a it's a great show that they have, and uh, you know I I guess uh, you know I, there's one thing with HBO, and I guess uh, the, the the problem with like you know like Disney and like all these uh, big ones is like they uh, they 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 can just cancel off a show, and because they're, they're so they're so big, they that that you know they say oh well it doesn't matter, like you know we got all these other shows that we can rely on. You know, like, uh, it's just, it's, uh, so they could have something really great that, uh, you know, back, I think back, you know, in, in a time when there was, uh, so much choice, I think, out there, I think, and now that we have, like, you know, only a certain amount of, like, choices to go to, like HBO Max and Disney Plus and, like, you know, Paramount Plus and things like that, I think the fact that the, 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 it's not so open anymore, I think it just gives, uh, you know, companies an ability just to kind of, like, wield the axe and just, you know, get rid of stuff, you know, and they don't yeah. have to worry about, like, if either they're going to lose viewers over it because they still got them. You know, right. so I think uh, that that's a big problem. I think I think uh, there needs to be uh, a bit of a, a change in attitude. I think in that in that regard. So and uh, who knows? Maybe they might something might come along and uh, you know change that around because you know uh, satellite TV. You know, was um, TV was dying, and uh, you know who knows? Maybe streaming services might die at something at some point. Who knows? So uh, we'll, know. we'll, we'll we'll see. But uh, you know, yeah. So uh, I I hope the Infinity Trains fans get what they need. You know, like uh, I hope they do get a fifth season. Because uh, from Absolutely, what I see, the yes. show is really good. I've not seen it myself, but uh, I can definitely take people's words for it. So it it, it is really really good. I, I I mean I know we don't have HBO Max accounts, but at some point we definitely need to need to invest in some because we definitely need to watch it. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so not much news about the live action uh, Avatar uh, show that uh, we've you know we were going before because obviously the original creators of the show actually left. So, yeah. but uh, now apparently we do have an announcement that uh, there is going to be uh, people, uh, at least actors, announced for this. So, yes. um, according to this, uh, Gordon Cormier is going to be casted as Ang in Avatar: The Last Airbender. He is uh, a Filipino slash Canadian. He's age twelve and he hails from Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, which which actually is perfect fitting because. You know, Aang is 12 in Avatar The Last Airbender, so they actually got a 12-year-old who is of Asian descent. So that does make a lot of sense. I, I do well, really technically, he's like that. He's like 112 years old or something like that, isn't he? So. <laughs> okay, technicalities, yes, I know. But find a, find a 112-year-old nowadays that looks like a 12-year-old. I dare you. Uh, yeah, I'm just joking. But uh, uh, also, we're gonna have Coento uh, Tarbell, who's gonna be who's gonna be Katara in uh, is age fourteen, and uh, mm-hmm. he's currently Indigenous North American uh, Mohawk, and uh, hails from uh, Owenese, uh, Ontario, Canada. 
Okay, that's awesome. So, yeah, she does look like that she would play the part really nicely. I mean, again, going over for the indigenous one because uh, obviously, um, you know, the uh, the water tribe was um, based off of the Inuit, so it does make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. uh, Ian Owsley is going to play soccer. He's uh, currently 19 years old and uh, he's uh, best known for the, the Netflix's uh, 13 Reasons Why an Apple TV Plus is Physical. I have not seen any of those shows. Okay. And finally, uh, uh, it's going to be Dallas Lyo is going to be playing Zuko. He's age 19. He is Chinese, Indone Indonesian slash American, and he hails from Los Angeles, California. He's best known for playing in Hulu's uh, uh, PNE1815 and Marvel Studios' uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. I have not seen any of those either. I've heard some good things about the shows and I think the uh, one of the movies, but yeah, I, the casting looks promising i mean they were able to actually get the authenticity of the um the characters depictions as opposed to like m night Shyamalan, in which they swapped it for reasons i don't know why they m night Shyamalan did that but still hey you know uh, progress uh, they are definitely getting the casting right now as for the storytelling that's still up in the air yeah well we'll find out soon enough so but uh, those are going to be your live action uh, Avatar: Last Airbender act actors and actresses. So there we yeah. go. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing who's going to be playing Iroh and um, Suki, Toph, Fire Lord Ozai, um, Azula. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to the other ones. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody, we're entering our spoiler section of Aaron and Patricia. We got here pretty quickly. So uh, it's always quite, it's quite interesting. So um, if you don't want to be spoiled on uh, Monsters at Work or any of the Owl House, uh, please uh, leave the show now and uh, we will see you next week. So thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll see you um, next week. So See you, everyone. Cool. Okay. Going once, going twice, going three times, and we are now in spoiler territory. So first of all, we're going to start off with Monsters at Work and reviewing C episode seven, which is going to be about Vendy. Uh, and uh, no, this isn't a character that has uh, been uh, prevalent in the show. It is a vending machine. So yes. um, yeah, so the whole story is that the um, uh, Tyler, Tyler breaks the vending machine. They all have a funeral for it, and they get a brand new vending machine. Um, this vending machine ends up malfunctioning, and uh, then they end up having to try and uh, fight off this vending machine. And uh, they have no faith in Tyler doing it because he obviously breaks everything, and uh, he's not a very good mifter apparently. And uh, so he, uh, so they find that he's actually seriously so good at breaking things that apparently they send him to save the day. Which, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, nothing, can we really say anything progressed in this episode, really? Like, uh, I mean, we, we got introduced to a vending machine character somewhat that was kind of relevant to Mift. And so, and then Fritz was really upset about it. But other than that, no. I mean, we have yeah. another side plot involving with Mike and Sully trying to boost morale in Monsters Inc., and Mike goes overboard by spending money on just. A bunch of things that are, you know, that he thinks is high morale, like buying foosball tables and fine art and giving everybody money. So it's like, uh, I mean, you're spending, I, I know what he's trying to do. You know, he's trying to boost up morale so that they can be able to keep the company afloat, which, okay, that's fine. But 
he's doing it in all the wrong ways. I mean, he almost like jeopardized the company. And if it wasn't for the fact that, oh, yeah, bo- bo- you know, morale has been boosted and we got more laughs again. It's like, yeah, but that still should have been cause for like major repercussions because is any of this stuff even necessary? Like, Mike Wazowski steals money from his own best friend to pay all his workers. Like, yeah. just, like it's like, um, I'm sorry. Like, that sounds really, really awful. Like, you know, it does sound awful, yeah. And I know what she's you know, saying, like, oh, but it's for the benefit of the company. But it's like, okay, benefit of the company, but you remember that Mr. Waternoose, um, you know, he stole, he almost stole Boo and was about to kill and kidnap her because, oh, he didn't want the company to go down. So it's like, okay, now you're going to be stealing money from your best friend for the good of the company? I mean, come on, Mike. That, that, that's... That's bad even for you. Yeah, it is. And so, like, mind you, like, this whole this whole show is just going downhill pretty much at this point. Like, it's just... It's... I, I, would, I would admit that it's not as bad as last week's episode. Well, but it's yeah. still not very good. No, it's still not very good, no. But uh, I just feel like we're just kind of, like, just uh, kind of not... There's no episode I can't say that I can point to and say that, yeah, this is the episode you should watch to, you know, get the best out of the show. Other than the the, other than the first two episodes. Well, even then, like uh, you know, the first two episodes were kind of like we were funny in like in a mean spirited way, but then you kind of like they they kind of lose their their spectacle after a while. Like you know, I think uh, I think for the vast at least for the first two episodes for me, it was just kind of like well, um, oh, it's great to see you know Monsters Inc back. You know, hey, we got some new stuff here, and then that's kind of like lost its uh, lost its sparkle a little bit now for me, and now it just kind of feels like oh. This is a show about, you know, what happened after Monsters Incorporated, and it's not very good. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, that's I, how I mean, I feel. The, the, the thing of it is, is that there was even this bit of a conflict. It's like, oh, man, because of budget cuts, somebody's going to be leaving Mift. And we thought, okay, so who's going to be the one to leave Mift? Is it going to be Tyler because he's not very good at it? Or is it going to be Duncan? Is it going to be Val? Is it going to be Cutter? And then we had this one moment in which, oh, you know, Fritz is saying, oh, no, it's going to be me. I'm going to be retiring. But then but then we kind of already had a scene before saying, oh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the morale has been boosted and we got a lot of money again. So I felt like the, the scene should have been reversed. It's like, you know, we have... Uh, Fritz talking about it, and then we found out from a phone call saying, "Hey, morale has been boosted." So yeah, I mean, it kind of like took away the intensity. Yeah, well, like, here's the thing about this: like, I would have uh, had no problem. Like, I mean, Fritz, I mean, he really doesn't. He's not really had all that much of like a, a character, really, except for that he's a bit of a you know he's a uh, you know this over uh, uh, you know this uh, overly happy you know kind of klutz kind of like you know of a of a uh, of a leader in Mift. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I would have been happy, like, if they wrote him out of the show at that point, really. Like, you know, he's just, it's, uh, he's not really given us much in these last couple of episodes to say, you know, to kind of like, hey, most of these characters haven't really justified their presence on the screen. You know, like... Yeah, uh, I mean, Duncan is still awful, by the way. He's still, I think he's the worst character of the show. He is. And... I mean, Cutter is probably, like, the best one, considering that, you know, she actually takes her job seriously, but 
then you have that whole running joke about like, oh yeah, I remember this Mifter, something bad happened and we never saw him again. It's like, okay, you've done this like six times already, it's getting old. And then Val is just absolutely just, oh, bubbly and happy, but it's not bubbly and happy in a charming way, so that's kind of wearing thin. And then we already know about Tyler, he's supposed to be the main focus of this and he's supposed to train his way so that he can become a jokester, but even then, we haven't really seen much progression in him either as a jokester or even as a mifter like he still sucks at it i mean he yeah. broke the vending machine and yet he gets to keep his job he's like are you supposed to learn how to fix this and then at the end when he does fix the old vending machine and it kind of works but you still have to like bump it it's like okay but i don't know just something about it just felt kind of like stagnant like nothing really happened with any of these characters that we haven't seen before and yeah, I, and the whole, um, you know, boosting up morale in Monsters Incorporated, it's like, they're kind of like minor things. And if you want to really boost up morale, things that would really boost up the morale in people if they want to continue going to work is, you know, maybe a good attitude, um, a raise, better benefits, not things like foosball tables and fine art. It's like, that's just minor stuff. You need to get to the major stuff. Why do you think that people after the pandemic had not decided to go back to their dead-end jobs after working from home. It's like, there's nothing for them to go to. That You know, working long hours with little to no pay, little to no benefits, and little to no opportunities for them to get promotions or for them to expand. I mean, that, that should have been the main focus, is that, hey, you know, better opportunities for Monsters, Inc., and, you know, maybe better opportunities for Jokesters, better opportunities for the Mifters, better opportunities for everybody, more... Um, more benefits. I mean, the whole, oh, you know, paying, uh, you know, like, uh, what was it, free money Mondays? I mean, hey, why don't you have it as a raise as opposed to, like, stealing Sully's money to pay these people? It's like, are you going to continue this on? It's like... Uh, the, the whole thing about this was just wrong. Like, I, I mean, it, it had some good intentions, though, with Mike trying to boost morale, but the execution of it was, like, wrong and as for like oh you know we're gonna be able to have this tense moment where somebody from mift is gonna be gone but the the tense moments kind of just dissipated the moment that we learned that morale was boosted and then we saw that scene where fritz was saying well it's gonna be me i'm gonna be the one retiring it's like but wait a minute we already knew in a previous scene that you're not gonna lose your job i think you're gonna be okay so yeah, nothing really much to say about this episode. It's just yeah, another it's, disappointment. It, 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 you know, like I think it would have been a worthwhile episode if we had learned that Fritz was leaving the show. I think it would have been kind of like, oh well, you know, uh, because of budget cuts, like I, I'm, I've decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna save all you guys and you're gonna retire, and then it leaves on a cliffhanger of like, you know, what's gonna happen with all the mifters and who's gonna, like, obviously there's gonna be like Duncan's gonna like want to take in charge and like he's gonna mess it all up and everything like that. But it would like it would have left some intrigue for the next episode, wouldn't it? Okay. Yeah, like, let's just say that, um, you know, the morale wasn't boosted. Uh, do it like a two-parter. Morale wasn't boosted, and Fritz decided that he was going to retire, and then... Okay, let's just say we give Duncan well, no, the no, here's, here's what I would do. I'd be like, uh, okay, morale got boosted, and yes, we got profits, but this movie not got enough to, like, justify all the excessive spending that Mike Wazowski has done. So, like, uh, so obviously he learns a lesson through, like, you know, I shouldn't have spent, I, I should have built more rabbi, I shouldn't have spent all this money, because now we're going to have to end up, you know, still having to balance the budget by doing some cuts. So, like, uh, you know, he would have, like, had to, like, done that, he would have had some regret over doing that, and that would have been the, I mean, that would be writing for its out of the show. So, that, that, that would have been doing that, and then you'd have, like, you know, intrigue for the next episode, like, what's going to happen? 
You know, this is the thing with like these uh, with uh, with monsters. There's nothing to make you feel like you need to watch the next episode. You know, yeah, like a- I mean, I, I I know the argument, you know, these are supposed to be like self-contained episodes, you know, where you get to see a day in Monsters, Inc. from the Mifter's perspective. But I mean, it, it's getting pretty repetitive, like nothing new has been really um, progressing. Like, I mean, other than, um, you know, we have Tyler wanting to become a jokester. We already knew that. And we already know Duncan wants to be in charge of the Mifters. We already knew that. But um, we haven't seen anybody getting better. And we'll talk about the Owl House in just a moment. I mean, you know what? I've been noticing over the past few weeks that I've been tweeting about, like, oh, um, you know, when I watch both Monsters at Work and I watch the Owl House, there seems to be something that is brought in that Monsters at Work fails at, but Owl House has been doing spectacularly. Two weeks ago, we talked about character additions, where we talked about Gary versus Rain, where Gary was just, oh, let's give Mike a rival character, kind of like how we gave Sully a rival character with Randall. Except the difference is they didn't put any effort in his character design nor his personality, which is a major disappointment considering that Gary is voiced by Gabriel Iglesias, who is one of the funniest comedians you will ever see. So, uh, on contrast, we have Rain Whispers, a character that was introduced who has a really interesting backstory with Ida, was a great character in their own right, and being able to, you know, go up against Emperor Bellows, despite the fact that he is, well, they are, they are. the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the leader of the Bard Coven, and um, being able to play off that amazing duet together, and uh, you feel genuinely sad when you saw Rain being taken by Kikimura. The difference between Rain and Gary are night and are absolutely the compo- complete opposites of night and day, aren't they? They really are. Yes, like they yes. are. Like you know, uh, you know, Rain is like you know, uh, dead at midnight, and you know, uh, you know, Gary is like you know, right in the middle of like the day, <laughs> like at twelve noon at lunch. <laughs> like you know, it's like yeah. they, they are massively different characters, and uh, in 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 really bad in in good ways and in bad ways. And so yeah. it just it's uh, so I think uh, yeah I totally agree with you on that and uh, yeah this is the thing about you know the Owl House and you know, covering Matt the Owl House and covering Monsters at Work one show is leaving you with intrigue and leaving you with uh, with uh, sus- with substance and leaving you with fulfillment so like you know watching another episode and really looking forward to the next one whereas Monsters at Work this is a chore. You know, like uh, it is a chore. Yeah, like uh, we ended up watching uh, you know the Owl House like, on the day it got released. You know, and uh, we waited until for Monsters of Work to like, you know, when we actually had to. When, when we only wanted to watch, we only ended up having to watch Monsters of Work when we ended up having to do the podcast. Let's just put it yeah. this way. There's yeah. no excitement uh, about the, it. I, exactly, yeah. And the, the thing that I posted up last week on Twitter where I was saying, wow, I found another parallel. So the, la- the first one was the character additions. The one that I talked about last week was character development. And we talked about last week's episode where it was going over the discussion about how there was no character development in any of the characters and monsters at work. They were just so absolutely abhorrent where Duncan was at his absolute worst. Tyler hasn't learned anything. Val hasn't learned anything. I mean, every single, uh, you know, decision that was made was just absolutely wrong. And we just wanted this thing to end. And I just flat out said, I just flat out said, this is the worst episode that we've seen so far. And I still stand by it. I still think that last week's episode was the worst of the ones that we've seen so far. Now, contrast to the episode that we saw last week on the Owl House, it was the best episode that we've seen so far, at least in my opinion. It, It gave us character development for Ida, 
King and Lucian Amity. And it was all thanks to a character that we never expected to see from Hootie. So yeah, that yeah, just was a, able just to... Just look at this for a second. Some people that consider the worst character of the show managed to basically redeem you know, part of himself and it was able to carry the story. Just, just yes. think about that for a second. Compared to other shows that have like really yeah. bad characters that we don't like and uh, don't do anything. Yeah, imagine if Duncan was the one that was carrying the story of Monsters Incorporated. Like, you know, we have one episode where he tries to help out Fritz, um, Val, Cutter, and Tyler with what they need to do. Like, maybe he helps out Fritz with, um, you know, taking care of Myth so that he doesn't have to worry about working too hard. Maybe he helps with Cutter with, you know, fixing something. Maybe he helps out with Val with, you know, trying to cheer her up if she's feeling down. Maybe he's actually trying to help out Tyler to become a jokester. If we had an episode like that, where um, Duncan was justifiably good, when all of the episodes that we saw him in were just terrible, then that would be good. Or maybe, we, you know, an episode with Mike and Sully, where they're trying to, um, you know, make some harsh decisions on what to do with Monsters, Inc., and they had to, you know, go above and beyond than what we've seen them do. So if an episode like that were to be played out, then that would be absolutely phenomenal. And with um, that episode, Knock, Knock, Knocking on Hootie's Door, in which we saw Hootie trying to help out Ida, King, and Luce with their problems and kind of backfiring, but at the same time, it was able to help them out tremendously. Like, we got Ida with her harpy form, we got King with his sonic boom screaming powers, and now Luce and Amity are a couple. So I think that um, it justified the meanings of Hootie being a major character where a lot of people didn't really like him. And it gotten people like really talking and it showed off character development that we hadn't seen in a while. So that is how I think that, um, you know, both of these shows parallel with, you know, episodes back to back. And I guess in this episode, I guess it will be like story progression because... In Monsters at Work, you would think that it would be an opportunity for them to kind of like go forward in, um, you know, with like Tyler trying to uh, maybe try to stay with Mift. I mean, there's even this one moment where he was talking to Val saying, I don't want to lose this job because you guys are a family to me. And I'm like, wait, when did this happen? Because throughout this entire series that we've seen so far, he can't wait to get out of Mift so he can become a jokester. And now he's treating them like a family? What's happened? As opposed Stockholm to contrast from the oh geez uh anyway and so then we have mike and sully who are trying to keep the company afloat and you know try to boost morale but then they thought okay uh let's have mike uh spend a whole bunch of money on just useless crap as opposed to like taking care of the root of the problem and then that just you know fix itself at the end sure as opposed to like the next episode of the owl house we're going to be talking about in just a moment in which story progression was just Fast. We got information that we had no idea about. We saw characters that started off one way and then completely transformed in another way. And also, it led up to more questions that people have been wanting to know about. And questions that we didn't even know that we knew we needed to know about. So, I I'm going to tweet about this later. But just, man, everything that the Owl House has been doing phenomenally, Monsters at Work has been crashing and burning into a fire. Yeah. So that's how we feel about monsters at work right now. And uh, but yeah, anyway, let's... and you know what the sad part is, is that we have like uh, four episodes to go, and for the Owl House, we only have one more until this, the, the the season hiatus. hiatus. So basically, yeah. we'll end up having to only cover the monsters at work at this point. 
So. I am not looking forward to yeah. it. You know, I'm just really intrigued. Remember when we put out that uh, tweet saying that, you know, do you still want us to still talk about monsters at work alongside having the Owl House and people still wanted us to talk about the monsters at work? Yeah, like, what uh, was it, like 81% of us, yeah. uh, of the people wanted to, for us to talk about it? I mean, uh, did they just want us to complain about it? Like, uh, it's just this... That's uh, the question. I mean, do, uh, let me, I mean, for those who follow us on social media, what is the reason why you want us to talk more about Monsters at Work? Do you like hearing us complain about it, or do you genuinely like the show? Because if you genuinely love the show, and you have valid reasons on why, please let us know. We well, would love to Well, don't get me wrong, I look on Twitter, it. and the show does have its fans. I'm not going to disagree with that, but I just think that, uh, given the fact that, you know, me and Patricia have, like, you know, covered various sick, you know, various Disney shows, like, you know, spanning over like you know, since the 80s like you know we're not saying that we've you know, done a podcast or like done shows since the 80s i'm not saying that at all but like we've watched shows like from disney like from like the gummy bears all the way up to like you know the owl house you know like we have been spoiled for choice in regards to like disney shows like you know it just it just feels like the you know monsters at work doesn't really do much to stand out for itself only the fact that it's made by pixar the fact that it's monsters inc and the fact that you know it has mike and sully in it you know, like, uh, those yeah. those are the only, like, positive things we can kind of say about Monsters at Work. Everything else is just, ugh. You know, like, uh, the, the, the story writing, like, uh, even, you know, like, here's the thing, like, even the music. Like, it uh, just feels like, it just feels like there's there's nothing to kind of, like, you know, hum back to or anything like that. Whereas, like, you know, with uh, with the Owl House, like, you know, I've been literally listening to the soundtracks on, like, they've been released by, uh, you know, by Brett on, uh, on, on YouTube. And, uh, you know, they're phenomenal. You know, like, yeah, uh, uh, Brika, for those who don't know, he is the composer of the Owl House, uh, especially around the second season when TJ Hill was the one who was composing not only the soundtrack, but also the uh, opening and ending theme song. And he's been posting his stuff up on YouTube. He also composed um, music for Gravity Falls, Star vs. the Forces of Evil and various others. Go go check out his YouTube channel where he shows you about like how he is able to put the music together. And even, you know, a day after the episode is posted, he releases the entire sound track of every episode that he that, that has been released so far and oh man the music is just phenomenal in that show mm -hmm. i really like amity's theme like uh, you know yeah the, amity's uh, theme is really good too yeah. uh the the Edith requiem oh my goodness that's so beautiful i, I listened to that at least uh a few times already just mm -hmm. absolutely great yeah um uh, anyway, yeah before, there's a great, lot of yeah, great songs in before, it. before we get sidetracked i think we should probably like uh you know we'll talk about some of the stuff we said <laughs> say we we're going to talk about in the show and so uh well anyway well we're moving on to the owl house so let's move on to the owl house so um, yes, please yeah. do so because i have so much that i want to talk about <laughs> okay well let's uh, start off with this first topic and that is that's uh, the Owl House is now trending on Disney+, Plus. Uh, that's because uh, Season 2, at least part of the episodes of Season 2, have now been released, and so it's now brought up another m bunch of intrigue on Disney+, Plus onto the show. Also, uh, there's been various social media campaigns being done by the Owl House fans, and uh, so they've been trending on online too. So, um, yeah, like, uh, Owl House right now is firing on all cylinders, so I've forgotten whereabouts it's trending like on Disney+, Plus right now, so is it, wh wh what, what uh, position is it in? currently well i mean unlike unlike netflix where they actually rank their um you know their trends disney plus doesn't do that they just say this is trending and they just show off all the shows and movies that are trending so it's not like in any particular order i don't know why they don't do this because i think that that'll be a good idea for them to actually showcase okay these are the shows that are currently trending these are the movies that are currently trending but yeah they don't say what number it is so i'm i'm currently looking through it right now and it's no longer like on the top 
number of trending like on the top 10 or the top five actually it's i'm looking through it right now it's not even there at all oh, gravity falls shame. is um yeah but i think the reason why is because of the newer stuff like i'm seeing uh the bad batch was a new uh, star wars series um let's see the simpsons is trending uh mickey mouse clubhouse is trending the mickey mouse shorts uh lucas trending phineas and ferb is trending loki is trending uh, the newest shows. Oh, a short circuit season two. Okay, well, we'll definitely have to take a look into that when we have the chance. Yeah. But, but um, anyway, regardless, the one at point the our house was actually trending. It's not trending now, it was, but uh, yes, it was actually trending at one point. Yes. Yeah, but uh, at the moment, like I'm noticing that uh, season two hasn't been put up on the British version of uh, Disney Plus yet, so we can't you can't actually watch it on the, on the British version, but on the American version it has. So yes, uh, you can. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that was that. And so also, one interesting thing that's actually come out, and so this is going to uh, what to watch on .tv, and that is at the Owl House Now. Uh, I'm just going to double-check this, because uh, I don't want to be uh, wrong about this as well. But uh, the Owl House at one point was uh, 92 uh, out of the top 100 action shows on IMDb, which uh, I have to say is quite an achievement, I think, uh, for uh, a Disney show like this. So I'm sure you looking through the numbers now. Yeah, so uh, right now on IMDb, it's 90... Out of the top 100 sh shows, it's... Uh, so, what well, top 100 action shows, it's currently 92. Out of the top 100 adventure shows, it's currently 57. And in currently the top 100 animation shows, it's currently 53. That's amazing, considering that this show came out uh, over a year and a half ago. Yeah, it started in 2020. So Yeah. But um, that's fantastic, and, you know, uh, I'm sure that the numbers will continue to sky high if episodes like, you know, the ones that we've been seeing over the past season have just been, you know, upping the ante. But, uh, you know, well, well, I'm sure that, um, you know, time will tell on how um, the rankings will change. Uh, and also another thing that I want to mention uh, right before we go over to our episode discussion, uh, I want to give a major congratulations to Sarah Nicole Robles, who is the voice of Luce. She is nominated for... Um, well, let me see. Best voice over actor at the Image Awards. So uh, we'll definitely have to tell you if she won or not. But yeah, nonetheless, congratulations. Super deserving of it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, she's been phenomenal in this show. And uh, so I really hope she actually goes off and wins it. So Absolutely. If she does win it, that's going to be a major, major win for the Owl House. Especially since they have been nominated for the Emmys and uh, they won the Peabody Award. So yeah, definitely I would love to see her win. And uh, one more thing that we we need to talk about is that, an, and this is from uh, our, you know, uh, one of the co-hosts of the um, Owl House podcast that we did on Casual Chats, Rebecca Rose. Um, uh, she posted up that on August 14th, there's going to be a Twitter trend going on called hashtag more the owl house. And she's going to be giving away prizes depending on how high the trend is. And she says, and I quote, if it gets to number one, some lucky winners will get signed posters by Dana. Uh, details can be found on the pictures below and I already have the pictures up and it says, um, if it trends on number five, Five people will get the Emperor's Coven pin plus a key, key uh, king keychain by Mike Cat SU. If it trends on number four, five people will get a Bad Girls Coven T-shirt. If it trends on number three, five people will get a King plush. If it trends on number two, two people will get a Hexide Spirit bundle. And if it trends on number one, ten people will get an Owl House Season Two poster with a random character drawn and signed by Dana Terrace herself. 
So if you want to be a part of this and trying to get the trends up there on August 14th, which is going to be the airing of the last episode of the season 2A, right before he goes into his hiatus, then hashtag more the owl house on Twitter. And it's going to be starting on August 14th at 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to get a part of this, then please go do so. And, uh, and she also mentions that on August 18th, the next five episodes of season two will be available on Disney Plus, which means that I will have to post up the next five episodes on my YouTube channel so that our listeners can be able to tune in. And uh, hopefully by then we will also record the uh, season two A episode of the Owl House for casual chat since um, according to what my listeners said, that's what they want us to do. They don't want us to wait until season two ends. They want us to talk about it right away, which, uh, by the way, thank you so much for that suggestion, because there are so many things that we need to talk about. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Owl House Season 2, Episode 9, Eclipse Lake, and uh, let's just start off with the cold open, because uh, right off the bat, they show us Emperor Ballas' face. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he, he looks more normal than I thought he was. I thought it was going to be, like, really deformed, especially with him being transformed into, like, this, you know, creepy, cursed, mud-looking monster. But no, he just looks like a genuinely normal guy with, like, his silver blonde hair and you know he has smaller ears than i've seen anybody on the show so far and he has this huge greenish brown scar on his face which looks very interesting and there's a lot of theories as to why he looks like that but i'm sure we'll get to that at some point yeah i mean he's uh, i mean i mean the the most obvious explanation i think what we've got here for ballads i think is that one he's cursed I think uh, yes. I think that I think that's probably a, a good explanation for that. That's the reason why he despises wild magic. And uh, number two, he's probably the human. And he may either be Philip Witterbane himself, or probably maybe a descendant of Philip Witterbane. So I think yeah, uh, a lot of people have been making the argument that he might be a descendant of Philip Witterbane because, as we heard from Hunter in um, you know the the previous episode, that um, you know his family uh, does not have magic. And a lot of people are saying, okay, well, if Philip was a human and he, maybe he got married to a witch, maybe that particular line of families would not have the bile sack in them so that they cannot perform magic, which is why both Hunter and Emperor Bellows are using artificial magic on their staff so that they can be able to perform their um, techniques and abilities. So uh, people are making the argument that, you know, he might be a descendant of Philip Wittebane. But then there's also the argument, now that we saw that cold open, that he could be a Grimwalker. So if you were able to pause in the cold open a book that Emperor Bellus is opening, where you get to see ingredients on how to make a Grimwalker, where it says that Golderstone, which we did talk about in the episode... Um, uh, look uh, through the Looking Glass ruins, where the um, you know the Golder Stones were used to enhance magic, and it says that it's used as a heart and it's used for power. Then the palestrum wood, which is used for keratin. Now keratin is a type of protein that is used as the foundation for our skin, organs, nails, and hair. Uh, stone sleeper lungs, uh, which we have not seen what a stone sleeper looks like. I mean, there. I mean, in the show at least. I mean, we've seen a picture of it. It look, kind of looks like a Tyrannosaur, well, like, kind of like a stegosaurus almost. Then the Selkidamas scales, which we already knew about the Selkidamas because in the first episode of season two, that was when um, they were trying to capture it for the bounty and uh, Emperor Bell sent Hunter to kill it. And then there's the bone of Orctet. I looked up Orctet online to see what it is. It's a botany term for a plant that was originated from a clone of a plant. So let's just say if you take a leaf of a plant 
and then you were able to put it in the ground and grow it, and then it grows into its own plant. That is the clone of the original plant's form. So then we saw in the other picture that there's like a lot of ingredients, and if you mix it together, it forms into like a person. And we got to see from the eyes that they look exactly like Hunter's eyes. And I'm like, is Hunter a clone of Emperor Bellows or if he's a Grimwalker? So there's a lot of things that were just revealed in like the first minute. And that's incredible. Well, first 36 seconds to be more precise, but... Uh, oh, okay, 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 fine. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I mean, like, uh, my view on this... Here's the thing about this. Like, uh, I don't necessarily believe yet that Hunter is, you know, a Grimwalker, you know, as in, like, a, you know, a, you know, a monster in, in itself. Like, I am going to... Because if you look at the book, like, unless, you like, you... Unless, you know, in, in the uh, in the Boiling Hours, you read, you know, right to left, you know, like, uh, if you notice, like, the Grimwalker section is actually on a, on a different page compared to, like, the other bit, which looks like it's actually part of, like, another spell. So, like, uh, the likelihood is that, uh, you know, and... Uh, I think maybe Member Bowers may have used another spell, or maybe have used another way of like creating a clone of himself and put it, and basically that is Hunter. So uh, that's one thing that he potentially do. I mean, I'll definitely say he's not, uh, he's not, he's not been made from the Ortmeyer files. You know, he's not a bald killer clone with a barcode on the on the on the back of his head. But uh, um, I, I don't know, like what I mean, whatever the way that he created him. Oh my goodness, that that throws in so many like you know ethical questions or unethical like behavior from this guy and. Um, you know, I've got a lot of people like saying like, "Oh, he uh, looks a lot, you know, more pleasant looking than I thought he was." It's like, yeah, but uh, you know, uh, don't be fooled by a pretty face. You know, like uh, he's still a genocidal maniac who has murdered loads of w wild witches and uh, has is now basically now creating clones of himself. And uh, yeah, and and, not, and also not to mention that he has no care whatsoever for his subjects. Like he would easily replace them if they don't. Uh, do exactly what he does. I mean, we saw with Hunter that he just feels absolute guilt that he wasn't able to collect the palisman for Emperor Bellows in the last episode that we talked about. And so, you know, there's like this talk of like, in, in, or in any normal circumstance, I'm sure that, you know, Hunter would have been gone. But then he's saying, no, but the Titan needs you. I need you to stay in this castle where you'll be perfectly safe. And it's like, oh, really? Can tend to give us an explanation on that. Hmm. So, I mean, he the one thing that that's currently going around is that the reason why he wants him safe and the reason that he says that the Titan's got big plans for him is that he's probably going to plan to transfer himself out of his own body and into Hunter. Oh, jeez. We're going we're gonna to wait into Naruto territory where Orochimaru, his body was decaying, and so he needed Sasuke so that he can be able to keep himself afloat and use his ability. So it's like, damn. But then mm. again, I saw a lot of, like, Naruto comparisons, but I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. Man, it's like, uh, what's his, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Ghoul? Is it, like, uh, from Batman? Uh, Rage oh, Ghoul? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he yeah, Ghoul, yeah. Yeah, Rage Ghoul used his daughter to, like, you know, keep himself alive in Batman Beyond. Like, you know, oh, that, was, that, was, yeah. that was creepy. But, uh, yeah, there was that. And so, um, that was only, like, the first, like, minute of the show. And like, then there was the intro on top of that. 36 seconds. 36 seconds, yeah. And then there was, like, the, the well, the 36 seconds, like, reveal what we just talked about. And then there was the uh, bit where he said, yeah, we do, you know, uh, I need you in the castle. Bye. And then he runs off. And then that's the other part of it. 
But, um, yeah, so we then go into the intro. We then find that uh, um, uh, Amity is uh, basically running running, running the show and uh, is uh, trying to, uh, you know, g- gather as much, uh, you know, healthy food and, uh, you know, relaxing music and, uh, you know, making sure that the uh, house is guarded by Hoodie, of all people. But, uh, you know, like, um, then uh, we find out the reason why she's doing this is because uh, Luce is sick with uh, something called the common mold. Uh, Edith's wondering why on earth she's why she's worried about because obviously it's uh, a very common thing for the you know uh, things to get. But uh, we found out that uh, uh, Luz is a human. And, well, we've known that for all along, but apparently uh, humans have never got the common mold before, so we don't know what uh, it's like. And uh, you can definitely tell that uh, uh, Luz is not taking to it too well because her brain appears to be turning into wallpaper paste as she uh, thinks that uh, snakes are made of arms and uh, she's uh, going completely off the rails in some places. So. Yeah, she definitely acts like Sokka in the episode of the Blue Spirit, where both Sokka and Katara were sick with the the fever, and Aang had to buy frozen frogs so that they can be able to be cured. And Sokka just acts really loopy because he is high with a fever, and he's like seeing a lot of illusions from Momo. So yeah, Luz is going through a similar situation where you know she thinks that she has snakes for arms, and um, you know she thinks that. Um, you know, she could be able to recover really quickly when in reality she cannot. So, yeah, she is a bit delirious. Mm-hmm. So um, then she actually the the rat the Echo Mouse um, uh, starts to open up again about the about the diary, and uh, then we find out about uh, Eclipse Lake. And so uh, uh, um, Luz is desperate to get out, but obviously they keep her in bed. And uh, Amity, being the awesome girlfriend that she is, uh, uh, volunteers to go off into Eclipse Lake and uh, try and find out what's going on down there, and uh, trying to find the, uh, the, uh, the 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 stuff they need for the key. So, um, well, and so we don't, we don't realize it's actually stuff with the key. It's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place with this bit. So they go to Eclipse Lake to uh, go find the Titan Blood. That's, that's what it's for. Yes. Yeah. And we did know about the Titan Blood in episode four when uh, Gwendolyn, uh, Ida, and Lilith's mother was talking about how it's extremely rare and how it cuts through the dimensions between, uh, you know, uh, Bonesboro and the human world. So we already knew that, but we get more details about it saying that this is the thing that powers up the portal door was they needed titan's blood but unfortunately titan's blood is incredibly rare like like almost to the point in which they can't find it and so they go back into the knee where they go over to eclipse lake and the knee was a place that we went to in adventures of the elements that's the episode where you know luce and ida were getting their training and ida was teaching luce about a new ability that's where she gets her ice ability and this is where edric and emra were teaching amity about magic and uh oh man the parallels of that is phenomenal especially when uh we go over to amity scene but we'll get to that in just a moment so you know, Amity being like the awesome, amazing girlfriend that she is, she decides to volunteer to go with Ida and King so that they can be able to get Titan's blood over at Eclipse Lake. Yeah. By the way, the one joke that uh, fans have been going, it's like, you know, she, she's been announcing herself as the girlfriend of so many times in this episode. And it's like, you know, it's like, you hear that, Disney? Like, you know. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They're not best friends. They're not gal pals. No, they are girlfriends. Yeah. And yes. uh, apparently th- there's a rumor going around. I don't know if this is true or not. Apparently this was done intentionally to stop them from censoring it overseas. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. So um, we end up with a situation where we go to uh, the knee, where we suspect Eclipse Lake is uh, to be, and uh, we already see that uh, the Empress Coven's already busy at work trying to actually get access to the old mine that's in there. And uh, we bump into uh, uh, Kikimura, who um, is basically going crazier by the episode, from the looks of it. 
Um, yeah, she the- is definitely. I can definitely see like Azula vibes from her, like or you know, like, toward the last episodes when you know she has to live up to Fire Lord Ozai's, um, you know, um, stance on her, saying, "Okay, I need you to be the Fire Lord of the Fire Nation." Well, I'm the Phoenix King, and so you know, she like starts deteriorating and losing her mind to like really get herself up there. And we saw in the last episode that she failed on getting the palismans for Emperor Bellows, and she doesn't know that the Golden Guard was the one. I mean, she kind of knew at you. Know that the Golden Guard was the one responsible for getting rid of the Palisman. When oh, she I, the I think she's aware that, that that that's what happened, and so now there's this rival. This is the thing; like, uh, it seems to be like the seeds are being sown for like you know a massive rift being developed within the Empress Coven. Like, uh, there'll be uh, those within the Empress Coven who uh, you know, look up to the Golden Guard as like the poster boy of of the of the of the Coven, and then there'll be those who think that Kikimura should be the one that kind of leads leads off. So, you know, like, uh, maybe might be, we might be building up to a point where, you know, there's going to be, like, a massive, you know, massive fight within the, within the, within the monks of the ranks. So, uh, well, yeah. and, uh, something that Empibellus can't control. So, uh, yeah, but- and we, we even saw in, like, the intro of the show, like, we saw Kikimura being really calm and reserved, just like she was in season one. But she's, like, really, like, losing her mind, and she's just going out in massive bursts, like, in the episode that we just saw today, where she's really wanting to prove herself to Emperor Bellos, saying, I want to be the one who is alongside with Emperor Bellos's right hand, not the Golden Guard. So, yeah, she is desperate to look for the Titan's blood. I don't know if this is going to be really unfair to say, but uh, there's... There's some parts of it that kind of reminded me of Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers in some places. When she, the way she, she was kind of acting off, it's like uh, I suppose there was one point to say, you know, hey, ah, after ten thousand years, I'm free, <laughs> you know, or you know, magic make my monsters grow, <laughs> something like that. Oh, gee, that would have been one thing for the uh, for the Obama's. She, by the way, she's taking a really big liking to those Obamatons. Hasn't she? Like, yeah, she, 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 she really is. She is definitely taking to it, even though that Darius wasn't really happy about it, saying that uh, you know. Um, that the blights were hacks for creating the abominations the way that they were. Yeah. So, um, I mean, maybe that probably might play into it. Like, uh, maybe, uh, you know, there might be this rebellion and, like, who might be backing the Golden Guard and saying that, you know, he's the guy who should be, like, you know, uh, that they take sides with and then all of a sudden, you know, Kikimura releases the Abomatons and suddenly starts controlling everything. You know, like... Or or we can have, like, a bit of a, you know, a reversal. Remember that theory that you were talking about where you think that Kikimura might be the main villain of the series? Yeah, here's the thing. I'm starting to think less of that now with the way that she's just been behaving. You know, like, uh, she doesn't sound like someone who's kind of, like, you know, in control of her own emotions at the moment. So, like, I would have thought, like, you know, if, if she was, like, the main villain of, like, the show, I would have thought she would have just, like, kind of, like, gone with the flow. Like, you know, remember when in, when she imprisoned Rain? And uh, when, when, when she was doing that, and I thought, oh, well, that's kind of, like, part... And she says, oh, I need to keep Rain because, uh, you know, they're part of the plan. So right. I would have thought maybe that's just, you know, Kikimura, obviously, you know, going along with uh, what she, you know, eventually her uh, eventual kind of, like, turn on Bellos, and that she's going to become, like, the massive, you know, bad guy for, like, season three. You know, I thought that's kind of, like, the direction I thought we were kind of going in. But, uh, no, she doesn't seem to be all that in control anymore from the sounds of it, so I don't think she's... No, no, uh, she yeah. is definitely going off the deep end, like, severely much so. She is so desperate to get in good ranks with Emperor Bella, so the point in which she's yeah. willing to just lose but, but that, everything that, that, about That's herself. what basically dents my theory a little bit, because, like, uh, why the hell would she care what, uh, you know, trying to please Emperor Bellos? You know, like, uh, if she's going to try and get all these, uh, you know, these powerful elements for him, and then she's just going to betray him in the end anyway and take all the power for herself, why would she care what Emperor Bellos thinks at this point? Or maybe Emperor Bellos would be defeated, and then she would, like, completely break herself. It's like, I must avenge Emperor Bellos. I must be the one to take over. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. 
But, uh, anyway, we get into the mine. Well, wait, before we get into the mine, um, the Golden God decides to disguise himself as a uh, as a as a as a uh, uh, an Everest scout, and uh, so. But uh, then he uh, gets followed by by these palacemen who uh, won't stop leaving. <laughs> We're calling him like little rascal, I think, at the moment. Are we? I think that's I think that's what the the name is for now because that's what Luce called uh, the little uh, palisman. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't. We don't know a name yet. I mean, we we, we do get somewhat of a hint at the end, but yeah. Okay. So in the meanwhile, well, until then, no let's refer to him as Rascal. So sure. Yeah. Okay. So Rascal tags around with Golden Guard and uh, drags him basically into in front of Amity uh, Lu, Amity Eda uh, uh, and King. And uh, they reckon they they think he's just a he's just a scout, but then they realize uh, they he then speaks up and then they recognize his voice. And uh, you know, I, I love the fact that Amity like has never like met the Golden Guard in person, and like, they says, uh, "Oh, he's all scrawnier than I thought he was going to be." And then King just could burst out laughing. That, that, that was a brilliant moment. Yeah, that so, was pretty funny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, mind you, like I don't know what Rascal was thinking, like dragging him in front of them. Like you know, did he want him to get captured? Or like, uh, I, I mean, think that, I think the reason why that happened was because maybe that, um, you know, he was trying to help out Hunter. Is like, oh, you know, they're doing the same thing. You know, they're going to be looking for the Titan's blood. Why don't you guys work together? Because you know, you're not going to be able to take down Kiki Mora by yourself. I mean, he doesn't even have his artificial um, magic staff with him, so he doesn't have a connection with the Palisman yet. So I think that maybe, um, you know, he was just trying to help him out, like maybe pair them up or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that he didn't bring his artificial staff with him. From the looks of it, yeah, like. that's a good thing. It's like, um, I, 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 that's a good question. I mean, maybe uh, Bellos is holding his uh, staff back because he wants him to stay. He doesn't want him to go into any more missions, so mm. maybe that's why he just kept it. Maybe he's in the shop. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it is in the shop. But yeah, I mean, obviously Rascal knows who Ida is because if you remember, the Bat Queen was able to take all of the Palismen and they were going to be adopted that day. So I'm taking that maybe Rascal kind of recognized Ida and said, oh, you know, you can trust her. You know, she'll be uh, she'll be able to help us out. Mm-hmm. So um, we find so we get to the point where everyone gets into the uh, into the mine, and uh, it's interesting that I mean, what were they? I mean, there's got all this mining equipment in there. Like, you know, what were they, were they mining Titan blood at one point? Uh, yes, were. So if you're uh, so if you remember from like the old um, lore and stories uh, back around the savage times, they were using Titan's blood for their magic. And I guess as time went on, it was like completely depleted. And so that was when the time of Emperor Bellas came along in which like they had to like restrict, you know, like you cannot just use any magic that you want. And so you can only like belong into a certain coven. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about in the Palestrum Wood from the last episode in which like that has been like super common back then for people to like you know build their palismans from it but now it's become super rare because you know emperor bellows has been taking it so yeah i think that i mean we there's still a lot of things that we don't know about like you know uh the the mines you know for the titan's blood like what were they using them for other than just you know increasing their magic i mean you know i don't know if they, there was even any talks about like using it to um go between you know different realms i mean that's I, there's just so many things that we just don't know about the show and it just leaves you like asking questions mm-hmm so um, um, so we get we get into that, and so uh, it looks like uh, the um, the 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 way that the cave is made up is made up of uh, you know uh, this uh, this ancient material. That so if you launch magic at it, it uh, bounces around. It is made. It is made out of the veins of the Titan. Oh, okay. Then so that's the reason why it does what it does. So yes. yeah, this this Titan. I'm I'm really looking forward to like to the full explanation of it all. I really yeah, am. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, we, we learned in the last episode that, you know, the muck of the Titan was how we got demons. 
that's how we got demons such as Hootie and, I mean, we don't know about what King is, but yeah, that's how we got the bug demons, that's how we got the bipede, that's how we got the beast demon, so yeah, like, who is this titan, how did, how was it defeated, yeah, and yeah, there's just so many questions about the titan about you it. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder, like, uh, is the king linked to the titan in some way? Like, uh, always, like, I, if I his people. Oh, like, no, not because Hootie ate the letter. <laughs> I know. So, like, uh, well, I think we'll find out eventually. I mean, do you remember there was actually, like, when they were doing, like, all the pilot stuff? And, like, uh, there was one bit where I think uh, there was, like, uh, you know, Luz and Eater about to be, like, eaten by, like, uh, monsters that kind of look like King. I think, and they, yes. like, King was, like, there, like, uh, hmm, I think that might that might play in at some point, I think. So, that, 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 it could be a, that could be a strong possibility, yes. Mm -hmm. But in the meanwhile, we do know that, um, you know, Hunter tells them that they cannot be shooting, you know, these drill projectiles because of the veins of the Titan would bounce it all over the place. And so then they are going to, like, use this um, cave so that they can be able to find Eclipse Lake. And then Kikimura just so happens to be blocking the path where the lake is. And um, they, you know, Ida decides to do a distraction, but then takes too long because she's trying to do all of her best to summon up her harpy form. Which, you know, there's a like, there's, there was this hilarious moment where she tries to like summon her her harpy form by like going all Dragon Ball Z by trying to like, you know, use all of her energy to like just squeeze herself out of it. And it's like, yeah, that I mean that doesn't work that way, Ida. Yeah. yeah. So uh, while that's going on, there's this other bit. By the way, um, they I, I love how. Lumidi's kind of like you know forming at this moment. Like uh, they got these like cute little Tamagotchis that they kind of like, communicate now with, which um, I think yeah, is, yeah. Uh... we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I mean Amity is like receiving all of these messages from her Tamagotchi, which kind of looks like the cat from Azumanga Dio for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, she's receiving these messages from Luz and she's not able to understand it. And then Hunter sees one of them and says, um, "Oh, uh, I know what this says. It says you better get the results or else." she's going to break up with you. And Amity was like, no way, you know, I'm an awesome girlfriend. And Hunter's like, did she tell you that? Yeah, but and this so then is interesting, though, because, like, uh, we see two characters who kind of, like, interpret, like, you know, uh, feelings for, like, you know, like, love and affection, like, in completely different ways. I mean, like, uh, Hunter looked like he's in, he's in an abusive relationship with Emperor Ballas. Not, like, in a, in a physical, not like in that way, but, like, in a, he's basically, you know, being manipulated to, like, you know, saying, oh, you're part of the, you know, you're in this... Uh, whole titan business as well and uh, i need you to basically kind of do what i say and you know just uh, kind of like being being manipulated in, a, in an emotional way as being like you we, know, don't even know if, we don't even know if he isn't being physically abused because he has scars all over him he has his ear chipped so well, I, I don't know about the so physical but keep this in mind like if we're going to go on the fact that he's emperor ballas's clone i think maybe he's probably got those scars probably the same way that emperor ballas probably has all those injuries as well so mm, like possibly um, yeah he, that might just be like a, what what happened, you know, what was transferred over. Maybe he probably has no knowledge of how he got those scars. So uh, maybe that that could be a possibility. But yeah, you do bring up an interesting yeah. point about how um, Hunter and Amity were pretty much like the same. Um, going through the same situation where they both have to please their parental figures in order for them to feel like they're relevant. Um, and, and that's a great. Um, you know, scene that they had together where it was talking about how, you know, they would do 
anything that they could so that they can be able to get to the top and make their parental figures proud. And with Amity, we saw this in like the first few episodes. I was a teenage abomination and convention where uh, she was telling Luz, I need to do everything I can to get to the top. I want to be part of the witch's coven, uh, the emperor's coven. You know, uh, you're just being a distraction. I don't want to be your friend and all that kind of stuff. But my goodness, did she drastically change when she be uh, became more closer to Luz, where she realized about how... Um, you know, love, especially from a person who truly cares about you, does not make you completely worthless. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so you can see where both characters are in 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 this conversation, and uh, so and also, uh, but I, I, this is the thing: some of Hunter's interactions are really just kind of like uh, really just like the fact that he's like uh, you know basically pushing people's buttons. And like I don't get, I get that he's not in a good situation himself. I'm not saying that. So you know he's uh, you know uh, totally unjustified, not justified for the way he's acting. But uh, I think basically kind of being manipulative with like saying like oh you know maybe Lou doesn't love you as much as you think you do. It's like you know that's a bit of a dick move really. So I mean I guess I guess he never really got like true love and affection from anyone. I mean the only one he ever um, knew about in terms of family was Emperor Bellas, and we already know how manipulative he is, so it's like, you know, trust no one, even if they seem like they're nice, just just don't trust anybody, because yeah, like, you never like, know if they're going to step in the Hunter ever never seen, like, any girls, like, in the Emperor's Coven at all? Like, you know, like... Other than, uh, other than Kiki Mora and the captains, which are always constantly wearing their masks, it's like, I don't think so. Like, uh, well, I'm just really surprised, but, uh, oh, well. I, I, I mean, I think that the interesting fact about that... Um, Hunter was still kind of like thinking of Luce in kind of like a negative way, but at the same time, he sort of understands on what makes Luce such a very special person. But at the same time, he kind of like gives me Zuko vibes, in which even though that he does understand that, you know, the Avatar has to be the one to bring all the balance into the world, he still needs to capture him because he wants to make his dad proud. It's kind of like the same, same similar situation. Mm -hmm. He needs to make Emperor Bellos proud and still feel relevant, so he's willing to get the Titan's blood. And then later on, we find out about that um the key that um we've been seeing throughout this entire series has titan's blood in it and is able to open the portal door which is why that emperor bellows um needed the the titan's blood in the first place so that he can be able to craft a key to open up the door and we also find out earlier in the episode that apparently emperor bellows has been in the human world before so that even brings up more questions about the whole philip Woodbane thing yeah i i probably imagine that uh, yeah well yeah that, that it would bring up a lot of questions and uh yeah i would like to know a bit more about actually what he was doing there and in fact you yeah, know if and, it, and, does that even does that even like even more clues that he's actually philip Woodbane himself you know? I mean, if that's the case, I mean, he was able to, like, live for a good 400 years looking like he's in his 50s. Well, uh, you know, in Tangled, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, the, uh, the, the, the antagonist in there was keeping herself alive, you know, through, you know, brushing hair. So like uh, that, that is true. It Mother Gothel was able. It is true. Mother Gothel was able to live for who knows how long because of the flower, and then the flower was crushed into the herbs to, you know, heal the mother, and then got over to Rapunzel where she was able to use the hair that had the remnants of the flower. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, we we just still don't know a lot of things yet. But I'm sure that we will know sometime in the later episodes of the season. But in the meanwhile, we do get to see like parallels of Hunter doing anything that he can to please Emperor Bellows, and again, giving me major Zuko vibes in which he's willing to do anything to help you know regain his honor and get back to the throne and make his father proud. So. Um, again, you know, going into like uh, the last episode of the second season in which there were, you know, Katara and Zuko were trapped in the cave and Katara was able to trust Zuko, but then Zuko stabbed everybody in the back by teaming up with Azula. 
Dracula. So it's very similar in which like Amity was able to trust Hunter when Kikimura was just about to go into where they were at and he doesn't have his staff and he's tried, you know, tied up with the abomination goo that Amity carries in her satchel. Another, you know, reference to Avatar where Katara carried water in her satchel. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because they're both voiced by Mae Whitman. And so she decides that, you know, she's going to play off a uh, loose and trust him. But then, of course, he decides to run off and go over to a minecart and try to see if he can get the Titan's blood before anybody else. Yes. And then, and then uh, Amity gets captured and then uh, she uh, ends up getting thrown down the hole herself. So like, geez, that was really dark. Like the captain was like, I'm bored and just throws her in. It's like, damn, like usually in like these kind of situations. They'll just be like standing there and keeping an eye. And then Amity would try to find a way to escape. But no, it's like. Pfft. Screw that. We're running out of time. Let's just throw her into the ditch that uh, King and Ida fell into when they saw the fool's blood thinking it was Titan's blood. And then Hunter tries to warn them and they didn't listen to him because why would they have any reason to trust him? Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing that's going to play, I think, in the show. Like, why should we trust Hunter? Why? Like, you know, like, uh, if um, if I if I had, uh, you know, Hunter, like, tied up and, like, uh, he says to me, yeah, I need you on time because, I, you know, I, I need you to help me. And uh, I need some kind of, like, something or other, or other. And I heard about, like, everything else. Like, you know, like, I would basically just pick up a sword and just cut his head off. I really would. And be kind of like, hey, save me the trouble, you know? Well, I don't know if I would go that far, but Luz was able to trust him when, you know, she helped um, Hunter out with, like, um, you know, taking care of Kikimura. And then finally, when the Palisman were just about to, you know, be free from her clutches and from the hand dragon. And then um, she was able to allow Luz to escape and the Palisman to escape. So I think that there is some... I think there's something deep down inside that Hunter is willing to trust, you know, people other than just Emperor Bellows. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but, we'll see. Yeah. So, um, in regards to, uh, you know, going further forward, um, so uh, Ida finally manages to uh, talk with the Owl Beast and manages to, so she negotiates her way into basically becoming, you know, the uh, the uh, the Harpy Lady. And uh, so she's uh, ends up having like a whoop ass moment in that. And uh, But then Amity makes her way over to uh, what we think is the Eclipse Lake, but it's completely dried up and uh, Hunter is uh, not taking it too well. Like, uh, he's digging his own grave. Yeah, he, he is psychologically traumatized. He really is. Like, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. There's, there's part of me that wonders if he is actually redeemable as a character after uh, after seeing that. But who knows? So. Well, and, and, then we, and then we also find out that the Tamagotchis that uh, Amity was receiving after she was having doubts about Luce. And then King decides that, okay, um, this doesn't look right. I'm going to actually turn it on its side. And then she sees instead of, you know, I need the result, otherwise I break up with you, it says, you are rad. And then there was like a whole bunch of other messages such as, um, fool's blood bad, um, you know, are you okay, come home. And then the first one that we saw when uh, the episode first started and Amity didn't understand what it said I've, I've I looked it up and it says you You're are pretty, pretty. yeah yeah <laughs> it's so adorable oh my goodness I love them so much yeah I, I love this ship so um but uh, then after that we get this really cool fight scene uh, that, uh, it's takes amazing, by the way. And uh, going in, back into the parallels I was mentioning about Adventures in the Elements. I mean, it's been over a year since that episode aired where Amity was just learning how to use magic. And now she's able to do magic like a boss. Like, oh my goodness, she has progressed so far. Oh, and by the way, I guess we forgot to mention this. Amity has a palisman now, and it's a white cat named Ghost. It's uh, based off of uh, Dana Terrace's own cat. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, I'm interested to see how... I was listening to Morgan Terry's reaction, and 
and uh, shout out to Morgan Terry, by the way. And uh, she's uh, uh, who's on two thousand, who's on two hundred, sorry, uh, two twenty thousand subscribers, I believe, at the moment. So yes, uh, yes she, yeah. So congratulations, Morgan. Yeah. Well, how, how long do how long do you need to be? I mean, how many subscribers do you need to get like a, a thing for you know like a a plaque? Uh, from YouTube. Okay, um, one hundred thousand subscribers for a silver uh, silver plaque. One million subscribers for a gold plaque. Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, maybe we need to get Morgan I, Terry a hundred thousand subscribers. So yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's the that's the next goal. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, so with that, um, we end up with this really cool fight scene. Amadi kicks ass. By the way, she she, she makes herself an iron fist and just punches. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter in the chest, and he's kind of like, I, I thought you, I thought, mind you, I thought if uh, they were going to do that, I thought like your Hunter was going to go flying backwards, and like he kind of like he seems to really kind of like you know just kind of like didn't really he took he took it pretty well, so uh, yeah. but yeah. In the episode that we talked about escaping expulsion, where um um Alador was talking about, uh you know be careful, Dahlia, you know I think we should let um her be friends with Luz because she's getting stronger. She might even become a head coven one day. And we saw her defending herself from the Abomaton, which is fine. But man, did she really pick herself up, considering that she was able to do all of these abil uh, abilities with her Abomination, and she was able to go up against Hunter, who is a child prodigy. So she was able to go up against him, and you know with Hunter using his Palisman for the first time and you know it's using real magic as opposed to artificial magic but he was able to pick it up really quickly and yeah the fight scene was just of equals but for completely different reasons i mean again with amity you know just learning how to do magic a year ago when we saw the episode and then her continuously training and getting herself better is like wow she's able to go up against a prodigy like the golden guard she has really progressed as a character i think that in my opinion with everything that we've seen so far she is the most well-developed character in the entire series. We saw her going from this, uh, you know, like the stick in the mud who's just constantly trying to make her parents proud and trying to uphold the blight reputation and just being a bully to somebody who's loving and compassionate and somebody who's willing to trust people and somebody who is really strong with their magic. She has come so far. Mm-hmm. So, um, we end up with the, uh, um, Amity with a key in the hand, and, uh, she has to hold it. Uh, by the way, uh, another, another dick move on Hunter's behalf, I say, oh, hey, we know where you live, and we know where your human lives, and we'll come after you if you don't give us the key. So, Amity smashes the key in her hand, unknowing to, uh, Hunter, and then hands it over. And, uh, she, by doing that, she actually ends up soaking up the Titan blood that's in the key into her glove. So. Yes, and that is going to be really helpful considering that they know how to build the portal door because they have the blueprints from uh, Philip Wittebane on his journal. So they're thinking about maybe using that Titan's blood for something else. So even though that they lost the key and they lost the portal door, they can be able to build up another one with the tiny rem remnants of the, the Titan's well, blood they have. Well, I'm hope. So and here's the thing about this. I really hope in like in the beginning of the next episode, you know, uh, you know, Luz comes out and says, oh, hey, I was able to rebuild the key after the one you lost, but no big deal. Like, I really hope it's not going to be the fact that, oh, hey, we got the portal ready. Okay, Amity, where's the key? And she says she doesn't have the key, and that kind of builds a rift between the two. Like, uh, you know, after, after all the building up that we got to do that, there's part of me that believes they may go in that direction. I don't well, know. Well, I, I hope that I hope that they don't. I hope they don't either, but uh, th th that's in the back of my mind right now. But then so. again, you know, this, that's not, like, loose to think about. I mean, I'm sure that she'll, you know, be really forgiving that Amity was trying her very best to defend herself from Hunter getting the key. I mean, you know, she was almost well, it's about not to that. I, I, I hope that they don't go on, like, this liar reveal bit where it's kind of like, oh, hey, you know, have you got the keys? Like, oh, well, you know, I kind of, like, lost it, but then ends up realizing that uh, the reason why she lost it is because she gave it to the Golden Guard, and then there's, like, a misunderstanding 
understanding and them, you know, shenanigans. You know, like uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that that doesn't happen. But I, I think that with um, Amity, you know, she was almost about to cut his throat with the abomination. Uh, you know, oh yeah, I, I, I imagine that she was, she was ready to kill Hunter. Yeah, like she a, was ready to kill him. And I'm not surprised. Like I would be too. You know, <laughs> like uh, I know you would. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, and by the way, I'm sorry if I'm a bit bloodlust in like you know in these discussions about characters I don't like. But you know, like uh, I come from Doom Eternal. Okay. Like you know, like I spend most of my time disemboweling most of my enemies okay so um but uh yeah i mean like so um they get you know they get home and uh, we realize that uh, in order for either zone the harpy lady she needs to eat like nine moles or something like that yeah, like, uh, yeah nine voles yeah which uh, if you don't know what they are they're kind of like little like mouse kind of like things yeah they're kind of like little mice hamster things yeah, yeah. you know, here's an interesting thing maybe in the next vision that uh, you know Ida has like when she when she's with the uh, the albies maybe the albies actually talks Ooh! Maybe. Oh man! Again, going into Naruto vibes all over again. This is very similar to like the Nine Tail Fox that's inside Naruto, where he finally speaks to him about being trapped in there for so long. And then, you know, at first the Nine Tail Fox hated him so much because his father trapped him inside of him. And so then, as time went on, when they started becoming stronger because they need to be able to defend against, um, you know, the Ten Jinchuriki. It's like okay. We're, we're going to pair up. We're going to work together so that we can be able to save the world from, you know, the entire world being covered up in this huge illusion. So, sure. So, I'm hoping at some point that that would be the case where Ida and the Albies is able to, like, you know, work together. And maybe we get to learn more about the backstory. Because from what we saw in the last episode, the Albies was almost captured by the Collector. And then it turned into the scroll, which uh, Lilith eventually used to curse Ida. So... Yeah, again, there's a lot of parallels that we need to know about. Yeah. Do you know, I really want, like, uh, imagine if, like, they did, like, a, a, a bit where it's, like, Eda and, like, the Albies are kind of like an odd couple. Like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, where she'll like, say, you know, oh, I want to do this today with the Albies. It's kind of like, you know, in the, like a Danny DeVito voice or something like that. Saying, you know, oh, you know, you always want to do this. But, like, you know, I want to do that. <laughs> I, I just want them to, like, have, like, a really, you know, not, not a dysfunctional relationship, but kind of like one they are, like, you know, inanimable, like, in, ta- in partaking in. Not like they have a choice in it anyway. But, uh, mm. yeah. Okay. Mind you, in regards to the owl, like, the owl beast, like, connection, I, I'm just wondering, like, I still wonder, is it still, like, keep in mind, we still don't even know what this collector guy is about. You know, like, no, uh, we, d- we, yeah. we know nothing about the collector. We know nothing about the identity of the collector. We don't know if they're working for Emperor Bellos. We don't know if they're their own, you know, individual person, like a bounty hunter. Nothing. Uh, there's part of me that believes that he might be a blight. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, keep in mind, like, you know, look at all the moons and, like, the suns and things like that, and look at all the iconography that, uh, you know, uh, Amity and other people wear, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I- so, I- instead of going over to, like, the Abomination, I guess maybe this particular Blight was more into well, capturing... keep in mind, like, the the Blights are not Abomination. So, keep in mind, uh, Odalia is an Oracle, and uh, it's uh, um, Alador who's the Abomination. Oh, that's right, yeah, and um, Edric and Emra are illusionists. Yeah, so like uh, they're um, they're 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 kind of a mixture of like uh, different things. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. You're right, but 
Uh, yeah, that, that that would be interesting because we see Amity, she wears a, um, you know, she wears a crescent moon necklace now and her shoe buckles are crescent moons and the face of the collector is a crescent moon. So, yeah, maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe there that is a blight. But until we know more information, we, we can only just leave it for speculation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, going back to the episode. Oh, my goodness. I love the hug that, uh, you know, Amity and Luz have. Like, it's doesn't it feel a lot more genuine? Than like, it does uh, feel some... genuine, especially since Luz finally recovered from the common mold. And well, I mean, in comparison like... to like other times we've seen like hugs between characters, like you know the way that they animated it was beautiful. Like you know, it's like oh it, yeah, you, yeah. You, you just feel like I mean, you know, even like... even before that, you know, Amity was about to tell Luz, Luz, I have bad news. I lost the key. The moment that she walks in. Luce just immediately gives her a hug, saying, "I'm just so glad that my awesome girlfriend is okay." Because that's when she finds out that the 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 cave that the Eclipse Lake is in has fool's blood, and she was trying to warn Amity about it, and she was hoping that you know Amity doesn't get crushed by the fool's blood that caved in. Because apparently Philip Wittebane had companions that went inside of the cave where Eclipse Lake was, and they didn't make it, and she was afraid that Amity was going to be you know losing her life as well. Oh yeah. So, but uh, that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, good times all around. Yeah, but no, 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 that that hug was just absolutely genuine. And yeah. The the and, and you know, this is the first time that you know Amity was hugging Luce because we saw Luce hugging Amity many times, but like a friend hug. But this was like a genuine, like, oh, my awesome girlfriend is okay, kind of uh, hug. And oh man, it was just so incredibly sweet. Yeah. So, um, so we end up with the fact that the Titan blood, but then also we get a bit of a moment between Hunter and uh, his palisman, and uh, the palisman he's actually because he's actually seems to have used the um, you know his staff. He seems to know now how, what the palisman is actually talking to, telling him about. So they well, remember in it. order for you to know about your palisman, you'd have to have a strong bond with them, just like how you know Ida and Albert have a strong bond. And uh, now that I guess that um, you know Hunter was using you know the palisman for good and even protecting the palisman from emperor bellows now they have a bond that's strong enough to know that um hunter can be able to understand what the palisman is saying and the palisman reveals his name but we don't know it because we don't speak bird yeah so but it looks like uh, they've had like uh, if at least in the in the from what i can see in the continuity of the ending like uh, it looks like they had like a long conversation about it while he was walking back so, yeah, so uh, that that's pretty much uh, it for that discussion of the yeah. episode. Oh, but by the way, you know, one- Hunter has the key, but only has half the Titan blood. So uh- yes, he does, and that's going to be major considering that now that you know pr- practically that it has half of the Titan's blood, or maybe that the whole thing drips even before he gets home. We don't even know yet. Um, now that they have the key, they're not going to have the energy source that they need to the, open up the door. So, yeah, this is going to be major coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, next episode is going to be uh, Yesterday's Lie. and uh, Oh my goodness, this is going to be massive, by the way. The- if we saw from the plot synopsis where Luz thinks that she found a way home and is not, you know, sure about what she's going to see, it's like, okay, what's going to happen? Well, keep in mind, like, uh, there's two bits of the trailer that we haven't seen yet. There's the bit where uh, Luz is, like, uh, you know, uh, rising up from, like, uh, whatever the whatever she's kind of, like, fallen into. And uh, then there's the other bit where, you know, her, her mom uh, is, uh, it seems to be um, maybe suspecting, maybe, that uh, the, the, the whatever's in, the clone of whatever it is that uh, is taking on the image of Luz may not actually be her daughter. 
So I suspect, oh, wow. yeah. So like, because uh, you remember, like, uh, there was all like she was in that room and like uh, she was uh, staring at something and uh, while looking at her phone. So maybe there might be a possibility that maybe the portal might open for like maybe a little bit and uh, maybe it might be enough for like loses messages to get out and go towards her phone and maybe maybe when she sees them and sees all the videos, maybe she might her mom might suspect that uh, the person in that in the house is not loose. Yeah, because they have a little bit of the Titan's blood. So maybe they can be able to use it to, you know, make something. Maybe just enough so that they can be able to get the messages out. Yeah, so, uh, plenty to look forward to in the next episode. And, uh, you know, this is what we're talking about compared to Monsters at Work, you know. (laughs) We took, like, double the time to talk about it. I mean, we just spent, like, five minutes just talking about something that happened for 36 seconds. Yeah. Okay, but people. Yes, uh, n- n- yes, but um, next week's episode. I mean, even though it's going to be the last one for this season, but oh man, Half it's going to be a big one. So we're having a season hiatus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. But for this particular season, a it's going to be a massive one. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Well, until then, we'll see you all next week, and uh, yeah, uh, hope you all have a good week. Bye bye. All right. Bye.